Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Her name is Brittany Ray. She's a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. She likes badass moms and long naps. She's on Twitter at at Britannia, where she can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about her cat. Welcome to the fifth installment of our Season 2 spoiler section. This was a series in five parts. If you've listened to all of our podcasts in their entirety, you are not missing anything by skipping this series. These are all things that you have heard before. You can re-listen for the fun of it, though. Listen, I'm not the boss of you. The purpose of this series is for those people who may not be caught up, who've been skipping the spoiler sections. We've compiled them here for your convenience so you don't have to go searching for them. You are welcome. Please be warned that from here on out, the whole series is fair game. Let's get started. This is the spoiler section for episode 221, Question Mark, featuring Casey. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Um, okay, spoilers. So the first thing that we are going to do in the spoiler section is listen to a voicemail. I'm ready. Okay. Maria! We got a voicemail from our friend Maria, who is at Juliette's Lafleur. Yes. Which makes sense. Wait, we're in the spoiler section. Everybody gets it. (laughs) And she had some thoughts on something that was said uh, in the last podcast. Do you want to intro that? Our lovely friend Isra was on our last podcast and she was talking about how Locke has like some selfish tendencies. And um, Maria was like, hey, my boy, my Locke, my son, I need to defend him. So this is Maria's rebuttal to Isra, but like, obviously everyone knows we're all friends here and we're just talking about a show that we all enjoy. So no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. We're all friends here. We're all good. Yeah. That was really good. Okay. Here is the voicemail. I'm sure that you guys will all really like it. Hi guys. So I was listening to the previous pod. I believe it was um, Two for the Road. And there was a small discussion going around about if Locke cared about the survivors of the of Oceanic A15 or not. And me being the John Locke apologist that I am, my brain started to gather some information and I had to um, bring up some points to prove that he in fact cared about the survivors. And I even believe that he cared way more about the survivors than he ever did about the island. And here are my points. I do understand that he um, got so obsessed with the island and with his purpose and everybody's purpose. And he got so into what everything meant that his motives got a bit selfish. But that doesn't mean that he stopped caring. And here's why. When I tell people that John always cared, they, they say, oh, well, yeah, he cared at the beginning and you know they only showed it in season one maybe season two and yes they did show that a lot in the first few seasons the first two seasons you know the first thing he does is find vincent and you know he he tells michael to tell walt that he that michael was the one who found vincent he was very selfless about that and right after that we see him uh helping charlie finding his guitar and the whole him uh fighting against his addiction and all that and we also see him, uh, he's the one that builds the the crib for Claire. He's the one that asks Claire if he can move his stuff to like sleep near Claire as some sort of protection when she was uh, scared of Charlie. He's the one that uh, comforts Son when he finds her, when that episode, of, I think it's Unfound maybe? When uh, she, uh, yeah, I think it's Unfound when she 
te uh, tears up the entire garden and he uh, he helps her and he goes to her and, and gives her uh, some advice. So yeah, there are a lot of moments in the first two seasons where, when uh, we see Locke caring about how everyone's doing. But a lot of people think that that's it, right? And that he, especially in season four, that he becomes very, very sad. And yes, I... I I do agree that season four is his most problematic season, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to season four for a very controversial take in just a little bit. First, I wanna point out that even after season two, we see him still care about the survivors, and I think they're actually um, the points that I'm about to bring are way heavier and uh, more important than all the other ones that I just mentioned. And the first one that comes to my mind is in season three, at the end of uh, the brig, when when him and Sawyer come back from killing Anthony Cooper, and he says, "I'm not going back to the camp. I'm going." Locke says, "I'm not going back to the camp. I'm going on my own journey now." But here's the tape recorder, Juliet is mole. Even though he is not going to be part of the camp anymore, he takes, the he takes the time to let everybody know at the camp that Juliet is a mole. And he even gives Sawyer the tape recorder as proof. He, does he did not have to do that. He was not going to be in the camp when the others uh, infiltrated. So this was all him wanting to protect the people uh, on the beach. Now, this other example is one that uh, really stuck with me the first time I, I, I watched the show and it has stuck with me throughout and I think it's very important and it's in season five when Locke is going down the well to uh turn the wheel right before he goes he says I'm gonna bring everybody back and that's when Jin goes kind of crazy and he's like oh no 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 you pr he, you need to promise me that you won't bring Son back promise me and he even gives him the his wedding band as proof uh, for Locke to give to Son that he that Jin is in fact dead and Locke looks at Jin and says, okay, I promise. Fast forward to a few episodes after, in the life and death of Jimmy Bentham, when Locke, you know, he's about to commit suicide, and Ben comes in and is trying to, um, you know, uh, Locke is all upset because he, he couldn't get anybody to come back, he couldn't, he couldn't convince anybody, and Ben is like, you, ha we, you haven't even gone to Sun yet, we can, we can start there, we can talk to Sun, and, and, and Locke is... He's like, no, 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 we cannot go to Sun. I promised Jin that I would not bring her back. And that right there, to me, is proof that Locke cares more about his friends and these people than he ever did about the island. Because by him not going to Sun, that's... Okay, when he went down the well, Christian told him that everybody had to go back. That every, every everybody had to come back. And that he had to get every single one of them. Yet, because of the promise that he made Jin... He didn't even go to Sun. The thought of going to Sun to try to convince her to come back probably didn't even cross his mind because he promised Jin that he wouldn't do that. So his risking whatever he thinks that this purpose is or whatever his connection with the island is, he is risking that just to keep Jin's promise. And another example that is around the same thing. In that same episode, he goes and visits Walt and he talks to Walt and he, he has, they, they have like this really nice conversation and, and some uh, closure. And the guy that's, uh, that's basically pushing Locke around, I forgot what's, what his name is. He's like, you're not going to tell him, you're not going to convince him to go back. And Locke says something, uh, along the lines of the, that kid's been through too much. Like he's, he's been through a lot. So again, he's risking his connection with the island and everything, literally everything that he's been so obsessed with. He's risking it by not bringing Walt back and not bringing Son back, but he knows that it's the right thing to do. That's proof to me that he would protect those people 
over the island and over, again, whatever he's trying to accomplish. I think those are the main examples that I bring. I have another one. Again, I, I mentioned that I have a take about something he does in season four that is very controversial, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Him killing Naomi, I always say that it's self-defense. A lot of people disagree with me. The majority disagrees with me, but I will stand by it. Why? Everybody is warning them that those people are not who they say they are. Locke generally believes that those people are dangerous. So him killing Naomi, in a way, is some, so, is some sort of self-defense because in his head, he's protecting these people, his friends, from being in danger. Now, I understand that his morals and his ethics and the way he does things are very, very um, problematic and not the right way to do things. But his end game, like he's at his core, what he's trying to do is protect everyone. And at the end of the day, he was right. Those people were not who they said they were, and they were working for Whitmore. So was him killing Naomi that big of a deal, like that bad of a thing? I don't know. I kind of, I can see that as some sort of uh, self-defense. So that's pretty much it. Those are all my points. I'm pretty sure that there are more examples. Um, I just cannot think of any of them right now. To me, the most important one is the Jin one, him keeping keeping that promise to Jin to not bring Son back because he just, he knew how important it was for every one of them to come back. And yet he kept the promise and he risked everything by not going to Sun. And uh, he didn't even give her the ring, the the ring. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it was because maybe he already knew that Sun thought he, Jin was dead, so he didn't think it was worth it. But then again, he Sun had no idea that John had left the island because he never went to her. So yeah, that's it. If I think of anything else, I'll, I'll bring it up. Bye-bye. I, first of all, love Maria with my whole heart yep. because this is exactly what I would do if somebody, like, <laughs> said a word against your favorite character. If, if, so, if someone was like, hey, your favorite character did this, and I'd be like, I know, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> here are all the reasons why that's not true. Get out of here with your facts, okay? Yeah, like, literally, it's like if someone, like, said something about Abby Griffin on The 100, I'd be like, here's a Twitter thread of all the reasons that I disagree. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's okay yeah. because we all are having actually a really informed discussion on Locke. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that I genuinely see both sides. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. you know, some people are like, I see both sides. I'm not taking a side. No, I genuinely do see both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much to Maria for sending in her thoughts. If you guys have thoughts, um, feel free to also send us uh, your thoughts. Yeah. Mm. Uh, our You're email so eloquent. thank you our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com so you can write long emails if you want to you can send voicemails we'd love it and uh, you know our twitter dms are open our instagram dms are open our tumblr dms are open they like sure are. You, you there are many ways to get a hold of us if you have thoughts on any of our podcasts so thank you to maria for sending us something and uh yeah we'd love to hear from anybody so we're going to go into the uh, spoilers section now. I'm going to start with flashbacks because I want to talk about Richard Malkin. I would love to hear about it. Okay, so this is the other um, theory that they had about uh, him being an actual psychic. Uh, he actually has the gift of foresight to some degree, like Eloise Hawking, and only saw glimpses that the baby is the cause for a lot of pain Claire will experience. His daughter, Charlotte Malkin, was, an, was near death slash actually died when Jacob saved her in exchange for Claire getting on flight 815 and dissuading Mr. Echo from investigating her death. Claire most likely raised Aaron with her mother and Kate following the events of the finale, just like Richard Malkin wanted. So this one says that Jacob saved his daughter in exchange for getting Claire on the flight, which is interesting. That's, um, 
interesting. Big Jacob move. Like, there's huge, huge there's, Jacob move. There isn't really anything to, like, say that that happened. Like, that maybe is just putting too much thought into Richard Malkin. Yeah, you can't, like, prove or disprove it, so you're just kind of like, okay. But interesting. Um, other flashback thoughts that I had, or uh, spoiler thoughts that I had for the flashbacks. Uh, Echo finds himself in Australia uh, in, I believe, The Cost of Living, which is the final Echo, echo episode. Mm-hmm. Episode. Mm-hmm. Episode, if you will. Episode. We learn that Yemi had a thing in London that he was going to go to. And Echo says that he... Was this at the end of 23rd Psalm? I don't think so. Anyway, Echo says that he's going to go to London for Yemi and do like this like priest thing. Yes. Basically. And so that's kind of how he became an actual priest. And so I just wanted to say that this is not that. Because this is happening in Australia and not London. Yeah. Okay. Was the miracles timing the work of Jacob? Because he's going to get on a plane, right? Yeah. And his plane gets postponed because of this miracle. Oh. And that's oh, why he can get right. on the other plane. Duh, of course. Yep. So maybe so, a little bit, yep, a little yeah. bit of Jacob in there. So I also think that, uh, it's interesting they don't give you, like, any more details about, like, the circumstances of Charlotte's, like, yeah. near death. Like, it's just like, oh, she, she slipped and drowned and she was dead for a while. Right, like where? Where was she? Clearly outside. Yeah. Like, show me where. Yeah. Also, like, hypothermia in Australia? Sounds fake, but okay. Yeah, but it, then it's it's probably the water then. Like, right. The, it's probably water then. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Brittany. Um, the ocean. Right. Yeah. Sure, okay. Um, there is another character named Charlotte Later. Why choose, oh, yeah. Why choose to use that name again? Also a character named Richard. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I was trying to make that make sense the charlotte thing because when she first said her name uh, when they first said her name was charlotte i was like oh my god is it charlotte reincarnated is it like an earlier version of charlotte i'm like no casey literally none of that makes any sense shut up hey you gave it a shot i did i tried okay so what i was going to i was looking up um c.s lewis because uh, the charlotte that we meet in season four is named uh after c.s lewis okay Mm -hmm. who's like his, the S stands for Staples. And so Charlotte's name is Charlotte Staples Lewis, right? Okay. And so I thought maybe they named this character Charlotte, but they had to name the other character Charlotte because C.S. Lewis stands for Charles Staples Lewis, right? And so they were like, oh, it has to be Charlotte. Of course. Uh, but the C stands for Clive. So now oh. I so now I don't know. <laughs> so That's so, so sad. So now I'm out. I'm I'm out of theory again. So I, yeah, I'm not C sure why they- stands for Clive. <laughs> so now I'm not sure. I don't know what to do about that. Uh, But Richard, obviously, like, Richard is a more common name than Charlotte is. Like, Charlotte is also pretty common, but not as common as Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay, do you guys want to do spoilers for Echo or for the stuff in the hatch first? I don't actually know how much I have for each of those. (laughs) Like, Uh, Echo? I don't know. What do you have for the hatch? Let me see. Um, Nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. Probably just some Michael stuff. Should we just do that first? Oh, yeah. Duh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Let's do the hatch. Um, Looking. Oh, wow. I don't have anything for the hatch. I'm glad that you didn't choose Echo first. Um, <laughs> Mostly just like the Michael stuff. The fact that we're spending this whole episode wondering what Michael's freaking motive was. Yeah. Like what What was he possibly thinking? And um, next episode is when we kind of learn that i mean we kind of we, you we know it's about always Walt. infer it's always going to be about Walt. we know it's about Walt, yeah. especially because like the last shot in the episode after we see michael is like of the computer screen which is where mm-hmm. he was talking to oh, walt yeah. yeah so yeah 
I think it's also kind of... There's a lot of things you can infer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important that they do show his motive, like, immediately. Yes. After yeah. this episode, uh, like, a lot of shows and even this shows sometimes will not show you like the background to something that happens until like episodes later even seasons later the hundred (laughs) so i think it is kind of like really important that they immediately show what was going on with michael because i kind of think that's sort of the only reason why not the only reason but i think that plays a big part into whether or not people can um choose to like forgive him for what he did or not yeah I don't know. I just, I worry about the kind of uh, criticism he would have, like, faced or his character would have faced if we went on much longer without really understanding what he was thinking. Well, and you kind of see that in Stranger Things, too, where they decide to do something really big and then they take a break from the main story. And Mm -hmm. I think, like, even in streaming, that's a detriment to your audience because it's kind of doing something in bad faith. Because you know that your audience is going to react to something negatively. So if you take that break and you don't explain immediately why something has happened that is that severe, you can, and I, I think this did happen with Michael, even though, you know, they did immediately explain oh, yeah. it. It kind of ruined the character for the entire show. Well, that definitely makes sense. And it, especially with binge culture now, it like doesn't matter as much. But for your diehard, like, fans who are watching week to week, mm. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're binging a show and it takes five episodes, you're like, okay, you know, like, I'm binging it, whatever, I can do that in one night and then I already know what happens. But mm-hmm. we're even now, we're already starting to shift away from binge culture because yeah. it's just too much now. Yeah, like, even Disney Plus is starting to give us things. Like, The Mandalorian came week. out weekly and I think that's why it became a phenomenon. So so did High School Musical and Musical exactly. Series. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that even though with binge culture... You're like, okay, well, I can, I'm, I'm gonna pump this through in like one night. But your people who are watching week to week—that's five weeks of not knowing any answers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what else is going on in my mind at this time? You know? Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to Echo. Uh, the church that he's building is for Yemi. We've talked about this quite a bit in the spoiler sections, but um, in Cost of Living, Echo gets the ch- he like um kills a bunch of people inside Yemi's church yeah. and uh the woman says you owe you owe Yemi a church basically and so he is building him that church yeah. all right here's the big question of the episode who gives out the visions what is their motive especially in this episode Jacob yeah my thought was okay no but then I had a counterpoint because when Locke was having the dream I could have sworn even after I found out it was a dream I just assumed it was the man in black mm-hmm. well that's because it's like a dead person come back to life which is like it might be thing. But it's also like, why would Jacob go to the trouble of doing it? I guess to put Locke's faith to the test. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's like, that's the right. sucky thing is that it's just like, even though it's all about Yekko, 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 <laughs> sorry, that's Yemi and Echo's friendship. Even though it's all about Echo, it's still about Locke. It's always, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, Locke's one of the main characters. He's like the, one of the main characters. So like, okay. But also, yeah. yeah. So it's like, what is the okay so let's say it's jacob what makes us think it's jacob without anything to to make us think that it's mib it's jacob what's our evidence i would justify the fact that it's jacob by suggesting that i kind of think that jacob and mib have like two different forms of two different ways of influencing people and influencing like the people on the island and it seems to be that MIB's primary way is taking over the body of someone 
who died on the who's dead on the island mm-hmm. and Jacob's primary way seems to be with the exception of some later stuff it seems to be through like dreams and mm. that's a good point and and more like subtle interactions i guess more uh more more or less less uh overt right yeah if you know what yeah that saying. that's interesting Bringing it back to one of my favorite conversations that we have had on this podcast is uh, in Abandoned, the episode that we had Maria on, and we had a whole conversation about whether that vision of Locke, or not Locke, Walt, was Jacob or MIB. Yes! And, like, you saying that, it's like, I still don't know. No. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, was it a subtle vision? Yeah. But also, like, could it have been MIB because it was, like, in real life and not in a dream? Yeah. Yep. So it's like, who, who, who knows who's to say? But in terms of, like, how they manifest, I'd say that MIB's main goal, first of all, is to blow up and then act like you don't know nobody. Mm-hmm. But also to traumatize. Ah. You know, like, when whenever he appears, he scares the crap out of people because he's appearing as someone who's dead. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it seems that Jacob, you know, even though the side effect of what he does is a little traumatic, usually it's to try and guide someone somewhere that mm-hmm. only he can see. And I feel like this definitely fits into that category. Yeah, like, when we get Anna Lucia in the dream, like, Anna Lucia is never, like, MIB never takes over Anna Lucia's body. Yeah. And he never takes over Libby's body. Michael, in, like, Meet Kevin Johnson, has, like, a dream of Libby, like, a nightmare of Libby, but that's not, like, I don't think that's part of this. Like, I think that's just, like, a traumatic nightmare because you killed this woman. Yeah, that, um, that's not, Yeah, no. But MIB never takes over either of their bodies, first of all, because, like, um, I don't know, uh, Michelle Rodriguez doesn't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anymore, I guess. yeah, she was like, uh, I'm, I'm good, love. Yeah. But, I gotta go do Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and he, ne- and he never takes over Echo's body either because Adewale doesn't want to be here. Um, but it's interesting that yeah okay so yeah I believe I, I guess I'm with you because the I think what we really need to look at to decide whether it's Jacob or MIB is what the motive is and what the goal is yeah mm-hmm. and I think ultimately the goal is good yeah I, or or the not even that the goal is good but that the goal furthers Jacob's plot for all of mm-hmm. them right so it's like I need them to find the hatch because I need to push like it's almost like Jacob is you know, the mighty pen in a lot of ways. Like he represents the writers. He's like, I need to do this to push them along into a new plot. Yeah. Jacob is a good excuse for that. Exactly. (laughs) But like in a genius way. That's kind of like, yeah, I was just going to say that's kind of genius. Like, yeah. For the writers to always kind of like have that in their backpack, backpack it, (laughs) backpack it in their back pocket. Like, how can we make this make sense? Oh, Jacob. But literally like, everything is too convenient. It was Jacob. But literally, like exactly, not in an annoying way where like it doesn't mm-hmm. have a reason. It's, like in a way that makes yeah. complete sense with the logic that the show has set up. It's not like a duex machina, right? Like it's more. I, I will always. It's machina, isn't it? Yep. I, Deus ex. <laughs> I will always butcher that phrase, and I don't care. Anyway, Deus. um, but like it, it's not so much like you don't get frustrated when they do that because at the end of the day, you know that like. It was Jacob being a dick mm. that a lot of this happened. And so, like, when you have an explanation that's not, like, God, like, Jacob is a flawed man. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of be, okay, he did this because, oh, he's a dickhead and that's why he did that. He was bored. He wanted Locke to find the hatch. Yeah, like, we get all throughout the se- series, starting in season three, which is when they actually start talking about Jacob. 
but we get Jacob is the good guy and nobody really knows about MIB. They just consider him the monster slash like they, everybody gets like visions of people who died. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jacob is supposed to be like this almighty incredible person. But like, ultimately I think the, the conclusion that you're supposed to get to is that Jacob's not a very good man, but neither is MIB and nobody's perfect. Yeah. Like, you're not, I, of course, it's always the light and dark and stuff, but the whole point is that when they meet in the middle, they're the gray. Mm-hmm. Like, Jacob thinks of himself very much the way Locke thinks of himself, which is a sort of, like, someone who is very important and all-knowing. But they're actually just flawed men. Cool. Yeah. I agree. I think it was Jacob. Yeah. And now we can move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good observation. Yeah. Good talk, guys. Yeah. Great stuff. Then the next thing I had was just that, um, I think it's, Echo says that now we wait for further instructions. Um... <gasps> An episode title. Wait, is that an episode would you like, name? Yeah, would you like to talk about it, Casey? You seem to... You're with me, I think. Um, no, just when I heard it, I was like, it's an episode title. I forget what happens. Yes, it is an episode title. Um, it's the episode that, uh, we actually don't like. It's uh, probably one of my least favorite episodes. What happens um, in it? It's the beginning of season three, and Locke goes into the sweat lodge because he can't talk for some reason. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he gets, like, visions of... That's why I think it's cool that they say further instructions because they're talking about, like, dreams and visions. And in further instructions... It's all about dreams and, and visions. And, and the title is a reference to this line, potentially. Yeah. Genius. That's that he's literally getting the further instructions that they were talking about. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool. Oh boy, I have so many Nikki and Paolo thoughts. How did this come back to Nikki and Paolo? I was so confused for like half this episode because I was, no, I wasn't confused. I was thinking of things to say on the podcast. And then I was like, hold up. Expose hasn't happened yet. We don't mm-hmm. know who Nikki and Paolo even are. Yeah. So I had to scratch a bunch of thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can talk about them now. I mean, now you yeah. can share them. Would you like to? Huh? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hero. So, um. I don't have much to say about Nikki and Paolo. Nikki and Paolo find the pearl before the plane even lands on it. They find it and they're going to go in. But then Nikki's like, um, I got other things to do. And I'm not out here trying to, like, climb down this creepy, like, basement thing. And, okay. pa- and you know what? Fair. So, yeah, that's what happens there. And then Paolo comes back and he hides the diamonds in the toilet of the Pearl. Uh, and then that's when he sees Juliet and Ben. So Juliet and Ben have been there recently, but neither of them had the cigarette. So I don't know where the cigarette came from. Okay. Then Paolo leaves. And then later in season three comes back with a bunch of them. And then they all go in the Pearl. And then it's revealed in expose that he like went and grabbed the the diamonds again and, and such. Either way, Nikki and Paolo been here first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they watched so that Locke would run. Then we get these spoilers about the Pearl in which I believe it's the beginning of the finale where uh, we learned that the swan in itself was also an experiment because all of those notebooks the Pearl just go to it. Did I say that? What did I say? You said the, the swan. swan. Oh, yeah. The Pearl in itself was also an experiment because all of the notebooks go to nowhere. Oh, right. Um. So it's like, what's... That was kind of a bummer when I first watched it. I was hoping it yeah. would go somewhere cool, like a secret lab or something. I don't know. I went um, onto the Pearl's page when I got, when I was trying to figure out what the um, what that thing on the table was. And apparently the cigarette was also there when Paolo was there. Oh, so it's been there oh. for like a while. Okay. Which kind of makes sense because, yeah. 
Have the others been using the pearl? Yes. Um, they grab all of the like login sheets, all the papers, because Desmond sees it in the finale to be able to say, oh, I think I crashed your plane. I think I crashed your plane. That's where he gets that paper. Love that. Three weeks observing the psychological experiment. Turns out that this is the experiment. Is someone watching them in the pearl? That's what I always assumed. Like potentially Mikhail, which is the other thing that they see in the pearl. I genuinely always assumed that it was like sort of like um, an Ouroboros, just like a constantly interconnected. They're all watching each other. Mm-hmm. But they don't even know it. Okay, now I want to talk about the Paula Ferry. So on at the Paula Ferry, um, which I talked about before, this is the dock that Michael takes them all to, in which they meet the others for the first time, mm-hmm. where Michael gets the little boat and he and Walt sail off. The it's the boat. dock where um, Saeed, Sun, and Jin sail up at the beginning of season three as well. Yep. It's where the, if I remember, mm, is it a different dock? I'm not sure. It's potentially where the submarine comes up and down. The Paula Ferry dock is important. Okay. So you guys remember when I talked about Pierre Chang having a prosthetic hand? Yes. Yep. And I was like freaked out because I was like, oh my gosh, I figured it out that he has a prosthetic because he got his arm cut under, like, like caught underneath the thing at the incident. Yes. So Pierre Chang does not have the prosthetic hand in the orientation film, which is dated 1980. So he had his hand then. He sustained that injury in 1977, as shown in the incidents parts one and two, and has the prosthetic in the Swan orientation film, which is also from 1980. It is, however, possible that the Pearl orientation film was filmed before July 1977 and was not copyrighted until 1980. I want to go with that. Yeah, that seems easier because, like, my brain went, oh, like, alternate timeline. Then I was like, no, that can't be right. Yeah, let's just go with, hey, it was filmed before. So he filmed the Pearl Station before the incident, but filmed the Swan Orientation after the incident. (laughs) Gotcha. Sure. I guess. Sure. Okay, that's it. That's all I got. That's a, this is one, honestly, I always find that our spoiler sections, like, are sometimes quite short. Yeah, you think they're going to be longer than they ever are. Yeah. yeah. But um, this one was good, and I really liked it and appreciated it. Same. So thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, Brittany paid me. Oh. True, I did. You never pay me. Um, awkward. I need a raise. Sorry, man. Anyway, thanks, Casey, for coming on the pod. Thank you What's your so salary? <laughs> like, let me like know. know. I need to know what I should charge. <laughs> Not enough. Um, do you want to tell us one more time where we can find you slash um, plug your business? Yes, you can find me at Casey Wall, Party Watch Everywhere. You can find my candles at Lost and Found Candle Co. Uh, buy some candles, please, please, please. That would be great. Including a lost candle. It's called We Have to Go Back. And we can say that in the spoiler section. It's called We Have to Go Back. Oh, yeah. Great. I haven't smelled it yet, but by the time this comes out, I will have smelled it and I'm sure it's great. I'm so excited. I've smelled it. It smells really good if I do say so myself. And it's a really pretty color. And it's a really pretty, uh, like, like art on it. Label. I, oh, I just, oh, I love it so much. I'm so talented. Thank you. Art on it. <laughs> no. Describes own art. <laughs> art on it. <laughs> You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffer, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Uh, You can follow at The Aficionados pretty much everywhere, mostly Twitter and Tumblr. Yes. You switched it up. Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebubble, YouTube, (laughs) but mostly Twitter. Well, I just said that, so that's why I (laughs) changed it. Okay. Okay, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. Again, if you have a spare dollar, we'd really appreciate it because this is expensive. Please consider helping us. Please Uh, help us. We're poor. If you enjoy our podcast, which we hope you do. I have heard nice things about it. And I appreciate the nice things that I hear. 
Yes. And if you can't donate for any reason, that's totally okay. Uh, feel free to just um, recommend us to a friend. Yeah. Like if someone's like, hey, I'm looking for podcasts. You're like, hey, here you go. Or even if you just... Even if someone isn't looking for a podcast, just tell them anyway. <laughs> or, or even if somebody's like, hey, did you see the newest episode of Riverdale? I have so many thoughts on it. And you'd be like, hey, let's both listen to this podcast about it. They're going to celebrate it and also dunk on it. It's going to be great. Yeah. Or if you're like, hey, if you're watching Lost for the first time, you can watch, the, you can, you can listen to this podcast also because a lot of people think that it's confusing. I tell everyone about this podcast all the time when I talk about Lost. Thanks. You're an angel. Now since, now since I finished the series, I am a self-proclaimed Lost law stand, avid f- defender of the finale. Mm-hmm. Same. Um, and anytime someone makes me go off about it, I talk about how my friends Brittany and Robin have this really great podcast about it. So you have literally no excuse to tell me it's too confusing for you because um, they will explain everything. Thanks. You're an angel. I mean, I, I genuinely think that's helpful because yeah. a lot of people think that it's too confusing. And it's, first of all, because they're not paying enough attention. Like, uh, if, if you're folding... Literally, like, no, duh, it's gonna be confusing if you're just looking at your phone the whole time. <laughs> exactly. So that's why, like, if you have to look at your phone the whole time... Me. Brittany's looking at her phone right now, just to be clear. Um, then we're here to make sure you didn't miss anything. That's important. Okay, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. We have really enjoyed talking to you. Casey, we're gonna have you again next season, and I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited hey, for the episode, too. I can't wait to see you in a week and one day. Oh, I'm so excited! Oh my god, literally! Like, less than a week and a day! Like, a week and a couple hours! Ah, ah, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! <laughs> okay, love you, bye! Oh, and uh, catch- Wait! I just yeah, want to uh, plug that I'll be on the Riverdale pod. Thanks. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! That's gonna be so fun! Oh my gosh, I'm it's so gonna excited. be so long. <laughs> I love that dumpster fire. <laughs> It'll be so fun. I'm excited. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! I'm glad you're okay, man. This is the spoiler section for episode 222, Three Minutes, featuring Robin's sister, Callie. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. All right, welcome to the spoilers section. Thanks for um, being here. We got a DM from Maria, who is at Juliet's LaFleur. Um, she sent us a voicemail last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and after listening to the episode, she had thoughts about Kate, which is crazy because um, Maria um, doesn't like Kate. She is one of the people that I know who like actively publicly doesn't like Kate. So it was yes. pretty cool for her to have Kate thoughts. And I think that they're super relevant, especially with this episode about how much I was saying that I love Kate. So this is it. Okay. Uh, This is from Maria. We all know I'm not a Kate fan. So the fact that I'm even taking the time to do this, much to think about. (laughs) Anyway, I'm at the part where y'all talk about Kate crying over Libby and Ana Lucia dying. And it's honestly such a good scene. They properly show Kate grieving. And that's something that I appreciate because it's important. And like y'all said, it shows her emotional growth and connection to these people. And the show actually makes a point to show this several times. Like when Shannon died, Kate wasn't able to go to the funeral because she was on hatch duty. But later there's a scene of her alone in front of Shannon's grave crying and Saeed shows up and Kate's like, I'm sorry, I missed the funeral. So her in the hatch is not the first time we see her grieve like that, but it's the first time I notice. Another example is in 603 after Juliet dies and Kate and Sawyer are at the docks talking about the ring. After Sawyer walks away, Kate literally breaks down sobbing. I'm guessing it has more to do with guilt than anything, but still. Yeah. I'm sure there's more, but those two scenes immediately popped up in my head when y'all were having that combo. Kate is so good at the back end of season of season two. Agreed. And that's just the truth. Kate, she's just there for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, she's just an emotional support. Like, she's just being a good friend. Totally. I'm thankful for Kate today. 
I feel like maybe I should bring in one of the other segments that I have on a different podcast for this just now. And my other segment, one of my segments on the Picard podcast is which character needs a hug the most yeah. this episode. And I would give it to Kate, but she is the one who's actually giving out the hugs, I feel. Yeah, she's providing so, that content. So I feel like Hurley deserves the hug this episode and Kate's really doing it for me. So Agreed. thanks, Kate. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's time for spoilers. Um, I'm going to go chronologically through the spoilers that I've got as well. Spoilies! So we were talking about how they know that Michael is the one at the ha- uh, at the computer. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to talk about Mikhail. So Mikhail is in the flame and the flame also has like some sort of surveillance type thing. But I think that what happens is that like the pearl is like surveillance of the other stations, surveillance of the island, when the flame is like surveillance outside of the island to see like what's still going on outside. You know what I mean? Okay. So I, I'm not sure because I don't think they could be watching through the pearl. So what you're saying is I was wrong. Or they just sit there and they're like, let's see if this person mentions wool. (laughs) It's Michael. It's a communication station is the official name. Like is the official like it's title basically the communication station so yeah okay i want to talk about alex okay alex's upbringing obviously she was taken from Rousseau and was raised by ben i found that in season three she is much more feisty she's like in season two in maternity leave and in this episode she's there and she's going against the others in small ways like well I wouldn't call busting Claire out a small way but she knows what the stakes are and so she knows that that's really necessary yeah but she's kind of definitely still under the other's thumb and in season three she really steps it up and she's much more angry and willing to go against them. And I think it's partially because of Carl, because obviously she loves Carl and Ben locks him away. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. I just kind of wanted to bring up the fact that like this doesn't feel like the Alex we know yet. No, she's far too tentative and she's not, you're right, she's not rebellious yet. Yeah. So Michael gets marched into the village and we see all of these others in their like ratty clothes, not wearing any shoes except for flip flops guy. Flip flops guy. My note was just that this is so performative. It's kind of funny. It's so weird. Like, why did they do any of this crap? Just to, just to confuse them. Because like, literally none of this serves a purpose. Like taking Michael's blood, there was no point. But I mean, yeah, potentially. Because like, they're specifically trying to get them away from the barracks. Like they're trying to keep them away from where, um, they actually, where they actually are. Exactly. And you were saying that they're, yeah, you have it up. Uh, yeah. So they're basically guarding a hatch to nothing. Yep. Um, at the beginning of season three, Saeed finally finds the village and he opens the door and there's literally nothing in there. And I think that instead of it being a, a, a rectangle, the, the symbol is actually the door. Like it's the door, you know, it's a rectangle. It's a door. Oh, okay. That's what the picture is basically. So, oh, it, it's the, it's the fan name given to a set of two metal doors with a Dharma Initiative logo on them seen in three minutes and live together die alone. So my mistake, it wasn't at the beginning of season three. It's actually at the end of season two. And it's a fan name. Yeah. Okay. The door is located below a remarkable rock formation next to the coast. It was thought to be the entrance to another Dharma Initiative station. Yet when the door was later opened by Saeed, he discovered that there was only solid rock wall behind it. While the door was used as part of a deception by the others against Michael, its original purpose, if it even had one, is unknown. The door was first seen by Michael when he was kidnapped by the others and brought to Decoy Village. At that time, it was guarded by two armed 
harmed others. So there's some uh, trivia. Uh, the trivia. The door was found and photographed by local residents of Hawaii um, before three minutes aired. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. The rectangle appears to be the be a golden rectangle, a mathematical ratio which is common in art, architecture, and nature. That's cool. That's interesting. The logo hasn't been seen anywhere else on the show. Like the, the door logo. Okay. 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 Um, and then the other thing was just that one of the others guarding was Bob. Classic Bob. They were so deep into this facade that they were like, your job is to stand and protect literally nothing mm -hmm. just to toy with some people. <laughs> yep. So if you go onto the Lostpedia page for the door... Um, there's some unanswered questions like who constructed the door? What's its purpose? Was the logo designed by the others or by Dharma? Is the real door station behind the rock wall? Lots of unanswered questions, but um, there is also a theories page. Okay. Which I love. Um, I haven't gone through this yet, so give me a second. As you I... loving lost theories? I know. So there are three different, like, theory types here. There's the fact that it's just a decoy, which okay. is kind of what's widely accepted. Um, that it is actually a Dharma Initiative station. And there's also one that says Man in Black. The Man in Black and his people created the door as a passage to reach the source, just as he did with the well and the wheel. However, it's blocked off by Jacob, just as Mother did with his well in order to sabotage his plan. So that's a pretty, um, that's- That's pretty that's, deep. Yeah, it's pretty far-fetched, um, especially when it was never brought up ever again. Yeah, it seems too far-fetched. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, okay, so this is the one that's the most accepted. As was stated in The Glass Ballerina, which is in season three, mm -hmm. um, one, probably one of my top three favorite episodes of the series, um, it was a decoy village that Saeed found. The door was just a decoy of a hatch. There uh, is nothing special about it. The others just wanted to give Saeed and co more reason to come investigate the village and throw them off the scent of where the barracks are located. So that's the most widely accepted one. Okay. The fact that the entire village outside was abandoned, not just empty, but cleared of all its contents, means both the door and the village are just meant to keep up the charade, charade of the others. Likely given the subsequent revelation that it was a decoy village, the others thought their village would be more credible if it had its own Dharma station. I guess! I guess. It does. It is unlikely it's mentioned on the Blast Door map, as it is such a far distance away for a Swan member to travel. And there's a whole thing about being a Dharma initiative station. Like I said, um, when we were talking about, I think last episode we were talking about theories about Richard Malkin. Um, it doesn't say who wrote these, so I can't give credit, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Um, so mostly, like, there's a whole bunch of things about it being a Dharma initiative station, but a lot of it it, um, is about like it having housed another pocket of matter like the cavity in the orchid it could be a facade and there's a way to actually get past it this is supported by the fact that Saeed never actually touched the rock wall he merely just looked at it and shut the doors again oh if he were to press on it he would find it was less solid material than rock and he could enter there is something similar to a garage door opener <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. There's there's a whole lot of, of theories on the page here, so if you want to um, check it out, you can. Clue asks if Walt ever appeared where he shouldn't, and yes, he did with Shannon, but he also does later with Locke, when Locke is, like, dying in the in the mass grave. Mm -hmm. um, he shows up and says that there's still work to do. But with Shannon, was that Walt or Jacob? Because when we were with Maria, we had decided that it was Jacob. I always think it's Jacob. If so or it's not malicious. No, we decided it wasn't MIB. No? No. Because because he, you have to be dead for it to be MIB. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I still think that potentially her asking if he's ever appeared where he shouldn't. Like, Walt is special, but I don't think he's special in that way. I still think that was Jacob. Yeah. Or maybe he and Jacob working together. You know, like, maybe Walt was trying to do that and Jacob was just helping him along. Or something like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe. So Walt tells Michael that they are not who they say they are. And this whole little town thing is a lie. 
he knows because he's been to and is spending all his time on Hydra Island. So he's not even on this island. Everybody's looking for him on this island. He's not even here. He's like, he's literally like, I am somewhere else. He's on a completely different island. And she mentions that she's going to put him back in the room. This is uh, room 23, which is where they find Carl halfway through season season three. And he's like getting like brainwashed and stuff. Oh. It's revealed in one of the mini episodes or the like the webisodes, which is called Room 23, that Walt is the one who's inside of the, uh, of Room 23. And um, he's getting birds to like fly into the window and die just like he did in special. Oh, cool. So that's how we know that it's Walt who's in there. Okay. From Lostpedia, uh, coincidentally, the names of the four people on Michael's list are the four candidates who are still alive when Jacob chooses a new protector in the series penultimate episode, What They Died For. Sawyer even sarcastically refers to Kate and Hurley as great candidates for the mission. <gasps> Holy shit. So cool. Michael asks for the boat. I assume he's talking about the one that they stole Walt with, but when we actually see it in the finale, it looks a lot smaller. It yeah, does. isn't that one's like a whole like lookout boat. Well, he says like, I want the boat. And I wonder if they were like, well, we can't give him that boat, but we can give him a boat. (laughs) You know? Maybe. It was dark. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? So going into the stuff that's happening in the present, um, Michael asks if Jack has a son, and in the sideways, he does. I was literally thinking the entire time, I'm like, yes, he does! Just not yet. Um, Michael is talking with Echo, and Echo says that he used to work in a small parish. I believe this is when he worked in London, which we will learn more about in The Cost of Living. And then we also talked about Michael being afraid to go to hell. And when Michael passes away in season, at the end of season four, he becomes one of the whispers and he can't even get to hell or heaven. Yeah. Because he's stuck on the island. I would call that hell. Sure. Yeah. And that was one of my points was that like, we were talking about how like Michael's trying to redeem himself by like wiping up the blood and like doing little things. And then like later you actually see him trying to like actually redeem himself. On the the freighter? freighter. Yeah. So, like, Michael can never leave the island now. Right. That's heartbreaking. It is. It's really sad. Especially when what he did was all in the name of trying to help his son. Exactly. And, of course, Walt... Obviously, Michael isn't in the Flash Sideways because he's stuck on the island. Walt also isn't in the Flash Sideways. But it's because, presumably, he spent the most important moments of his life with a different uh, group of people. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you think that um, Michael was trying to help with, um, by coming on the freighter. Well, he blew himself up <laughs> for that protection, you know, like. Sure, but, like, that's not why. I don't he, know, like, warning them. Right. Well, when he came, the reason why he came on the freighter was where he was trying to, he was working for Ben and was going to blow up the entire freighter. So I don't think that he had great intentions going onto the freighter, but I think that by the end, you're right, that he is doing something good, ultimately. Yeah, I think he went into it realizing maybe he fell into that pit again mm-hmm. of helping the others. And then I think once he saw his friends or people that he knew, I think he He's just like, yeah. Like it's time I, I fell, Yeah, I fell back into this kind of cycle mm-hmm. that I went in. Okay, so lastly, they see the boat on the water. Um, obviously, Desmond is in here. Um, welcome back, buddy. But um, from Lostpedia, this great point, um, just after Libby is buried, the sailboat she gave Desmond and which bears her name appears offshore. <gasps> so that's Libby's sailboat that she gave to Desmond that is named the Elizabeth. I totally forgot about that. If she had still been alive, she literally, like, could have met Desmond and been like, oh my god. Yep. And, like, that's my boat. What a crazy coincidence. But I don't think Desmond ever actually learns that Libby was there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. There'd be no reason for him to know that. Yeah. So that's kind of weird. And kind of sad. Totally. I have 
two things. Okay. One, when they were talking about the dog biting the sister and yeah. then, like him being scared that he's going to see them in hell. Mm-hmm. At the very, the like the ending episode, do we ever see Anna and Libby talking to Michael? Like, do you think when they're, they're not in the first. church? They're both in the flash sideways. They're just, Libby's in the church with them, mm-hmm. but Anna isn't ready in quotations, isn't ready to move on or something. Okay. But they're both there, so they so they are not whispers. Okay. But is Michael in the church? No, because he's stuck on the island. Okay. So okay. he can't move on. Okay. That was my whole thing. Was that, like, do they ever get that? That's a uh, shit confrontation. It, it is. It, they used him to explain what the whispers were. That was it. That's bull. Yeah. Like, it had to be somebody, you know? But like, it's too bad. It, it, should, it shouldn't have been... Someone who was such a main character. Right. Callie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had a really good time. Can you tell us one more time where we can follow you? Um, you can follow me at Callie and Jeffrey on Twitter or and or uh, Kelly Nicole photo on Instagram. And it's in the description. Yes. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A and put underscore at the end. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube. Like we said, mostly Twitter and Tumblr. Yeah, and theaficionados.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it because uh, this is expensive. Yeah, and if you can't donate for any reason, that's okay. Just tell a friend. It's all chill. We're all friends here. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. You better like it, mate. Clock's ticking. This is the spoiler section for episode 223, Live Together, Die Alone, part one, featuring Britney's fiance and honorary aficionado, the iconic Samantha Coley. Did you, do you guys like our new spoiler song? I do. I think it's lit. I think so too. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, you so much. like to... it, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better than what we had before, and I truly believe that in my soul. I think it's lovely. I think it's fun. I think it's ethereal. I think it's the exact mood you need for lost spoilers. Thank you so much to Frances for helping us out there. I mean, she, it, it definitely was her helping us out, but also we commissioned her and we paid her. Yeah, so, don't worry. Yeah, we know, yeah, know that we paid her for her work and we appreciate her. And she's an icon. Yeah. A legend. Pay your artists or die. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go into my spoiler thoughts and we are going to do like the same sort of like blurbs as we did before. So we'll start with the rescue mission. Cool. Okay. Um, Me, all of my thoughts are on the scene with (laughs) Desmond and Penny. Yeah. For both sections. I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible guest. Mm. Or you're just a predictable guest. Oh. Okay. Okay. So my first, like going halfway through the episode, my first spoiler thought on this storyline is about the hurly bird, um, which is called a high bird. Let me go and grab the Lostpedia page for that because I know I have thoughts. Yeah. Like this post if you think Robin should name her small business high bird, but with a Y. Thank you. Well, it's already. She means H-I-B-Y-R-D, not H-Y-B-I-R-D. It's true. Yeah. Okay, the Dharma Initiative genetically engineered large birds called high birds to test how animals adapt to the island's unique properties. This was answered in the new man in charge, aka literally the epilogue. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they literally were like, what else didn't we do? Uh, epilogue. (laughs) Okay, so tell us what the answer was. The Dharma Initiative genetically engineered large birds called high birds to test how animals adapt to the island's unique properties. So was it saying her? So it's just a, it's not even a real bird. 
The bird's wings span 16 feet. That's insane. So it's still a bird. 16. That's a a dragon. That's a big bitch. 16 feet. Oh, that's a number. You're okay. (laughs) Don't Don't have a freak out. And their cry sounds like the name Hurley. DVDs even subtitle one's cry as Hurley, but Sawyer mocked Hurley for noting the resemblance. Well, that's not nice. Dharma kept the birds at the Hydra station, which featured large aviary cages. Oh. Hurley's first sight of one of them convinced him that whoever came up with the name Dark Territory was a genius. He heard it shortly afterward, before and during the smoke monster attacks. A bird appeared again during the survivor's mission to rescue. Wait, how does that have anything to do with the high bird? The first time we see the high bird is in Exodus Part 2. Why don't I remember that? Okay, whatever. In Catch-22, which is in Season 3, Jin tells... Uh, Hurley a story in Korean while they're camping. Hurley says, dude, I love the part about the bird. It was a bird, right? Oh, that's adorable. I understood that reference. Um, one form of the Egyptian god Horus is a green falcon. This fits with the Egyptian themes of the show. The bird's only appearances are in season finales, Exodus part two and live together, die alone part one. Okay. Those are, these are the only two times we see them. So they're not overly important. They're not, they're not important. They should be though. Cause sure. I think they're cool. They're like a mocking jay. I love that for you. Thank you. I know they're called hybrids, but I'm going to continue to just call them hurlybirds because I think that's cute. I like a hurlybird is cute. Okay, our first look at Towerette, the the statue. Okay. So it's the Egyptian. I'm going to keep just going over to my computer to look up Lostpedia things so I can search up Towerette. Statue of Towerette. So we all know the statue of Towerette was there when Richard Alpert showed up. Wait, never mind. Yes, it was because when the Black Rock ran into... The statue, that's how the statue got broken. Yeah. When Richard showed up. Also, Jacob lived in the chamber, like lived underneath the statue. Yeah, isn't there like a, like one of the big scenes from the finale happens under the statue? Yeah, that's where Jacob dies under the statue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the history is Egyptians on the island built the statue sometime well before 1867. They mentioned that on the last podcast. Uh, which I think David and Carlton were on. The civilization left many other signs of their culture on the island, including hieroglyphs and other structures. So we don't know anything about that really, but apparently that's what happened. Okay. I like when I have questions and they're just answered by Robin reading Lostpedia. Right? Oh, great. Um, Because I couldn't remember any of this. In the flash sideways, the remnants of the statue appear submerged in the ocean, so it still existed even in the flash sideways. Mm. Trivia. Jin, Richard, Jacob, and the man in black are the only people known to have seen both the ruin and the fully intact statue. Oh! Sun has also seen the statue on two separate occasions, though both times she saw the ruins. Like, I think that, like, in Le Fleur, uh, Sawyer's group was briefly transported into an unknown time period, sometime prior to the building of the well, and they can see the statue. But Sawyer and co. never saw the ruins of the statue. So that's why they're not included in that list. Hmm. Okay. Oh, apparently in 2008, Damon and Carlton slightly rectified a misquote of an anecdote previously told. According to Carlton, the true story was that the statue was originally stated to have six toes, but ABC executives mandated that it better have only four toes, which was considered less weird than six toes. Ah! It is less weird. According to their own words. No. Lindelof and Cuse didn't mind as long as the statue didn't have five toes. (laughs) That's so weird. However, the sculptor gave another explanation, claiming that the statue's foot was changed from six to four toes because it was hard to tell that it wasn't a regular five-toed foot when it had six toes. Yeah, that's fair. Note that in the real world, hippos have four toes, which in hindsight would match with a hippopotamus-headed towerette. Is that what it is? He's towerette, yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't, I mean, like I'm saying, I didn't realize the head was a hippo. I think so. Here, let me look up more about towerette. Uh, yeah. (laughs) 
you're like, did you mean you spelled this wrong? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah don't worry about it. Thanks. Um, so Tabaret. Oh yeah, it is. Is the protective ancient Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility. Okay. The name Tabaret means she who is great or simply great one. A common per- pe- pes- what the heck word is that? Pacificatory address to dangerous deities. The deity is typically depicted as a bipedal female hippopotamus with feline attributes. Pendulous female human breasts. Nice. <laughs> the limbs and paws. <laughs> the limbs and paws of a lion and the back and tail of a Nile crocodile. She commonly bears the epithets Lady of Heaven, Mistress of the Horizon, She Who Removes Water, Mistress of Pure Water, and Lady of the Birth House. Okay. Which makes sense for the island. Yeah. I never I never knew that Tawaret was a lady because the statue that they make doesn't have the boobs. There ain't no boobs there. The boobs would have made it make so much more sense. Yep. I literally, I'm learning right now in this moment that Towerette is a lady. And like, it would have tracked with like so many things about the island, like with childbirth and like- Yes. Uh, hello? Hello? So yeah, um, that's Towerette. And the ABC censors were like, we can't show boobs. <laughs> Justice no boobs. for her titties. No boobs. Boobs are sexual organs. <laughs> no, they're not. Okay, so later they are talking about whether or not the others are Dharma leftovers, and one of them in particular is, and his name is Ben. Aw, he's just a bad boy. Um, Sawyer mentions that he thinks that the others are aliens, and that reminded me of the wonderful, one of my favorite Suliet moments. Mm -hmm. I think probably my favorite Suliet moment. Okay. Is the part where... Dutch? Oh, yeah. Wow. This is big. I like the part where um, he says, are you sleep... I think he says something like, are you sleeping with Jack yet? And she goes, no, are you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, like, I think later in that scene, if not just a little bit later, just in general, he says, what are you building over there? Because, remember, at the beginning of season three, they're, like, helping them build something, and they're kind of using, like, Sawyer and Kate as, like, um, slaves labor yeah mm-hmm. free labor so Sawyer's like what were you building and she says we're building a runway and of course that runway comes back later because Frank lands a Jira flight 316 on it exactly but he says what are you building a runway for and she says for the aliens oh yeah stone faced <laughs> for the aliens for the alien. <laughs> and I think he would ask her years later and she would still say it was for aliens it was for yeah. the aliens so that just that reminded me of that obviously because James. it was it was Sawyer as well right James it was for the aliens it's just for the aliens, bro. Did you not see them? Okay, so that's what I have for the rescue mission, and then we'll move into Desmond's stuff. Cool. So they get to the boat, and Desmond's, like, shooting through the boat and everything, and this reminded me of, I believe... Mm, never mind. It's early season three. I thought it was la- next episode, but it's early season three when Sun is on the boat by herself, and Colleen, who I just think of as Katniss's mother <laughs> from the home yep. games, um, comes on, and she's certain that Sun will not shoot her, and Sun shoots her. Oop. Like, on this boat. Don't mess with Sun. So it reminded me of that. Um, so the reason why Desmond thinks that this is a snow globe is because he can't get out of, like, the snow globe sort of thing, because he doesn't know the specific bearing. Um, in season four, it's revealed that there's a specific bearing that you need to do to get out of, like, this sort of, like, bubble that mm-hmm. they live in, right? They're in a little bubble. lived in a bubble, they really Doug. Are, they really are in a snow globe. They're yeah. stuck in a bubble, Doug. She came down in a bubble, dog. <laughs> okay, tell me that I'm wrong. So then we have this scene with Desmond and Claire. Um, and he's talking about how he thought he'd be a bad dad and he was trying to help you. So this reminds me of not only 
flashes before your eyes when Desmond like talks is going to he's going to propose to Penny and then mm-hmm. he meets Eloise and Eloise tells him that's not what he's supposed to do and like Ugh. bad things would happen or whatever and then Ugh. he full on just breaks up with Penny and it's ah! so that's a, a an example and then my other example is Ruth who comes in in Catch 22 I think it's the episode where um Desmond's the monk mm. and he goes to see Ruth and she says, if you're scared to marry somebody, don't run off and join a monastery. Just tell her. Mm. And then he goes and run and joins a monastery instead. Well, I think what happened is like he was, because he was engaged to Ruth. Oh, okay. He was engaged to Ruth and he finally showed up and she was like, hey, I heard you joined a freaking monastery. Mm. And then he's like, yep. Anyway, Ruth deserves better and she knows it. Agreed. So yeah. these are just a bunch of examples of Desmond like running off because he doesn't think he's good enough. The amount that I ship Desmond and Penny is at war with the amount that I want to shake Desmond and tell him he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I just said, um, Desmond's like really religious and doesn't love the fact that they just like pushed Echo out because he's a priest and Desmond was a monk. So you can't kind of blame him deal. for that one. Yeah. Which is why he calls everybody brother. Yeah. Yep. When you were like, that's revealed later, I'm like, I know that I know it. Yeah. I was sitting like, here like- I forget something? I was sitting here like, it's because he went to, he was a, okay. That's, that's how my brain was- processing that so moving into uh the flashbacks i'm going right to the desmond and penny scene yay penny Sam, like picks up <laughs> penny saying you can find anyone with enough money and determination foreshadows the end of season four when she finally she does, does find them exactly um so that's great i i really like it's hard i never really considered this but it's hard with desmond in season two and season three i feel like but after he and penny like finally get together Mm-hmm. it's like that's that's who Desmond was supposed to be that's finally, my guy yeah he finally yeah. figured it out you know what I mean yeah he was like oh my god I never should have left I screwed everything up but I'm here now yeah it's clear that Penny never actually married this dude if he even was real yeah um because she literally like talked to Desmond and then like the next time we see her is at the end of next episode when it's revealed that she's like has like those two Portuguese guys off yonder looking for him. looking for the island and then they call her and tell her that that's where the island has been. So she's been looking for Desmond for three years. Yeah. She never gave that's up love. On him. That's ugh, we love a romance. I can't say that I would have waited that long. Also, I'm sure that guy was just like, yeah, you're never going to love me more than you love him, so uh I'm out. Right. Yeah. Right. Did you have more did you have thoughts in your notes? I do. So my my note that I mentioned earlier was that she's sort of also playing a game of chicken with him because she does say like, what if you were back now? But she doesn't like actually say, I'm in love with you. Stop messing around. Right. But her letter is already in his book. Yeah. And that's where she says, I love you. Stop being an idiot. And I believe she put that letter in there before he went to Before prison. he went to prison. And that's why she says, have you read your book? Yeah. Because then, like, that's why she's upset that he, that, that he hasn't read it yet. And he hasn't read it yet because he doesn't know that she says that she'll wait for him forever. Yeah. Because, like, if he had read the book. If he had read the book, he would have stopped being an idiot. But that's also an unfair place to do that because, like, him reading that book would basically mean that he was about to die. So she's writing him this letter from a place where, like, he's going to commit suicide. That's what happens at the end of, uh, or during next episode in the flashbacks, is that he he thinks he's going to die. And so he opens up the book and finds it and then finds the will to not die. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, like... It's not very above board of her. It's very no. it's very much a game of chicken. Like, they're both... He's too much of a coward to admit that he loves her. And, like, she kind of also is. Yeah. They're... Like, 
Honestly, it's just that the time wasn't right for either of them. Exactly. Like, yeah, and then the eventually they were supposed to be yet. Yeah, yeah. and then eventually it, it finally is. Exactly. And then my other thing is I just put like a little mm-hmm. line. So he's doing this race for like Penny's dad. Yeah. And then he crashes on the island. Right. And then several seasons later, I believe mm-hmm. I, it all blurs together I got in my you. mind. I watched it in a week. We find out that. Charles is like heavily involved with the island yes, stuff. Yes. Do we think he crashed Desmond somehow? Or like I don't think that Charles did. I think that Jacob did. Jacob was like, you can't leave. We need you. Yoink. Yeah. And then it just happened to be that way because mm-hmm. like maybe Jacob learned about Desmond. Because I don't think that Desmond is a candidate. Which is weird. Because he would have been the perfect candidate. He probably learned about Desmond via Charles, because Charles was such a big deal. Or Eloise. Or Eloise, yeah. But more likely Charles, because Eloise didn't, um, wasn't Penny's mom. She was only Faraday's mom. Okay. Uh, And they're half-siblings. Right. Through Widmore. Right. Did Jacob and Widmore talk a lot? I don't, I don't know. I think that Widmore was, like, the Ben. So, like, Richard would talk to Jacob, and I assume that around the same thing would happen in which Richard would be like, Jacob says this, Jacob says that. But I doubt that Charles ever spoke to to Jacob. Okay. Because it's just, like, so weird that, like, Charles is just so... Actually, I was going to say, Charles so morally great. Why would Jacob work with him? But, like, it's Jacob. Of course he did. Yeah. But the reason why Charles gets banished is because he had a child with somebody outside of... Outside of, like, the island. Yeah. Mm. So, like, Faraday is older than Penny because he had a child with Eloise before he had a child with, like, an outsider or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's why Charles gets um, banished. And then they say, you can never come back. And then he ends up coming back on his submarine in season six. Okay, well. And then Ben um, kills him. Nope. And it's kind of great, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Can't say I'm sad he, about that. Yeah. He had it coming. Yeah. Um. So, moving back onto the island and talking about Kelvin and stuff. Um, I noticed that Kelvin's uniform doesn't say his name on it. So like my whole question is like, what's the Radzinski timeline? Cause Radzinski had his name on his thing because he was part of the Dharma initiative. And so was Kelvin Radzinski's first partner? I don't think so. No, I think Radzinski was there for a freaking long time. He probably had many other partners. Exactly. And then Kelvin was like the last impressionable person and he was burnt out by then and he was like, I'm going to doom this sucker. Right. So I have a few other Radzinski questions, but um, before that, um, does Kelvin know that the air is fine at this point? Yes. I think he does too. I'm just wondering if like, did he see Desmond and then go and put the hazmat suit on so that he could gaslight him and then come back and get him? Or like, was he wearing the hazmat suit when he found Desmond? You know what I mean? You think at this point he already knows the air is fine? Because like at some point, how did he find Desmond? Yeah, because it's because basically what happens next episode is that like Desmond see every time that Kelvin leaves, he always puts on the hazmat suit, and so then Desmond one day notices that there's a rip in the suit and nothing bad has happened, so he like goes out and sees that Kelvin has been like working on Desmond's ship so that he can like leave basically, yeah, and like leave Desmond behind, and so either way, Kelvin knows that the air is fine. I just don't know if he was wearing the hazmat suit because he thought that the air was bad and then eventually learned that the air was fine or he knew the air was fine, saw Desmond, went home, put the hazmat suit on just to gaslight him, then came back and got Desmond and then like has been using the hazmat suit since. I think it was a force of habit to put the hazmat suit on. Okay. I think he learned the air was fine at some point later. Okay. Because I... I think that he was desperate enough to get off the island himself Mm -hmm. and, like, use the boat. Wait, wouldn't he have basically learned the air was fine from finding Desmond? Oh, 
So the minute he found Desmond, he was probably like, okay, so all of this has been a f***ing lie. Right, because he says so. To... He was probably, like, in the hazmat suit because he yeah. thought the air wasn't fine when he found him. And then well, I think Desmond he's... is alive, so the he air says, must be fine. Yeah, he says to Desmond, like, you were out there for a while, so, like, make sure you take this vaccine or whatever, I think. But, like... He was out there for a while. He was out there for a while, and Kelvin would probably guess. And, and then he did from some that tests. moment, he probably started grooming Desmond to take over for him. Yeah. Well, like, if Kelvin actually did believe that the air was bad, then, like, that makes it very clear that Radzinski was kind of gaslighting Kelvin? Yeah, well, for sure. Because like, Radzinski knew that the air was fine. Maybe it was because of the incident that he thought that it had, like, radiation or something. Yeah. But, like, that was years upon years upon years ago. I think... Let me look up Radzinski. Continue. Well, I just think that, like, he clearly believes some part of this, or he would just be like, hey, man, let's fix your boat together and bounce. No, someone has to stay behind. Yeah, someone has to stay behind you, right? Yeah. So he has to believe. Like, he believes it. that someone has to push this button, so that's why he tricks Desmond into saying. Because right. he believes that this is a thing that needs to be done. Uh-huh. Ugh, what a douche. So I have, like, four different questions about Radzinski here, um, but I'm going to take a look at his, because maybe I can answer some of my own questions on his, uh, his uh, Lostpedia page here, because it says, in 1971 is when he began working on the Swan Station, and pa- plausibly when he first came to the island, if not the year before. In 1977, Radzinski was working at the Flame and was building a model of the Swan. Um, and then, of course, he got freaked out because Saeed saw the model of the swan and he thought he was a hostile and so blah, blah, blah. A whole bunch of things happened. The incident. It is unknown how Radzinski survived the incident and hydrogen bomb blast, but obviously he did. So post-1977, at a later time, Radzinski moved to the completed swan station where he worked alongside Kelvin Inman. Radzinski was the originator of the blast door map, which he worked on with laundry detergent, a paintbrush, and the aid of his photographic memory. He was able to fake a lockdown incident. Having had a part in designing the station, he knew its workings intimately, making it possible to work on the map more deliberately. Radzinski also edited the Swan orientation film for unknown reasons and placed the edited portions within a Bible in the Arrow Station. The unknown reason was to gaslight Kelvin. His erratic behavior and subsequent suicide may suggest an eventual mental breakdown. My question is, like, why choose the part of, like, about not using it as a... Like, the, the thing that he took out was don't use it as a... As a communication, you know, like he took out, don't, don't ever use the, com- the computer to communicate with the outside world. So like, why take out that part is my question, I guess. I um, don't know. Kelvin explained to Desmond that while he was asleep, Radzinski committed suicide by putting a shotgun in his mouth and firing it, creating a blood stain on the ceiling. Radzinski's remains were later buried in the jungle outside the Swan entrance, station entrance. Because of the Swan station protocol, Kelvin had to bury him without, within 108 minutes. When Walt's rescue party reached the capsule dump, Kate found a notebook in which a particular entry mentions the activities of SR, who was apparently a resident in the Swan Station and was surreptitiously monitored from the Pearl Station by the note taker. As the Pearl's function likely ceased within, with the purge, given the staff there worked in eight-hour shifts, it can be concluded that Ratzinski took up residence well before this time. So before the purge. So he survived the purge. One of the only members of the Darm Initiative to so survive Juliet. the purge. Mm. Juliet wasn't there at that point. That's a she was in purge, purge anarchy oh. joke. <laughs> I was like, girl, she just showed up. No, this, uh, that's uh, election year. Sorry, purge election year yeah. joke. So him and then like Mikhail next season says that he was the only one to survive the purge, but that's just a full on lie, but <laughs> um, Mikhail lying? What? Huh? Radzinski's death would have taken place between 1991 and 2001. Kelvin Inman joined Dharma between 1991 and in December of 1992, which 
is when the purge happened, where he would become Radzinski's partner. When Desmond arrived on the island, well, clearly that means that Radzinski would have had a partner before him or more. When Desmond arrives on the island in 2001, Radzinski is already dead. Radzinski most likely died fairly recent to Desmond's arrival to the Swan due to Kelvin's condition. Kelvin appeared relatively healthy for a man possibly sleeping for two hours at a time. Judging by Radzinski's attitude for the Swan stations, the station appeared more maintained back in 2001 than in 2004. He may have appeared healthy, but psychologically, he was an absolute mess. Right. So my question is about Radzinski. Why would Radzinski get rid of the communication part? Which I asked, and we just just don't really know. Yeah. So Radzinski was inside the swan after designing it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did he know it was meant to be an experiment? That's my question. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But is it an experiment? Because, like, yeah. something bad happens when you don't push the button. Oh, like, yeah. But it could still be, like, a psychological experiment because the people in the Pearl are actively... Right. Like, they write, SR took a shower. You know, SR played on the ping pong table. But, like, isn't that also a psychological experiment on the people watching them? That's my question, is, like, if Radzinski designed the swan and, like, the swan ended up being helpful because the incident happened and so like it ended up being like the computer thing what was he designing it for before the incident was it supposed to be a thing and he was just like volunteering because he designed it and he wanted to be part of it like that's my like it's just there's a lot of like questions about Radzinski and like Radzinski was literally in seven episodes of this show but I have so many questions <laughs> about Radzinski yeah holy crap um and then my last question was did he find out and that's why he killed himself like did he find out it was an experiment and yeah that's, why he I, that's what I always thought was implied maybe is he knew that it was a fruitless endeavor or that they were like stuck there forever and he got sick of it and he wanted to die yeah. right like maybe he didn't know about the purge and then he found out about the purge and that's why he died or that's why he killed himself maybe. but like how would he have, how would they have learned anything in there well like clearly they are allowed to leave mm. i don't like i just don't know i think i mean we have to wait till season five to see if we get some more answers but i recently rewatched season five and i just don't know <laughs> um okay that's it that's all i got do you have any other points sammo blamo not many i just put doesn't he tri my thing is was he <laughs> For Kelvin, I wrote, was he also tricked into it or was he in on it? And then, because I couldn't remember. Mm -hmm. And then tries to steal boat, but then doesn't Desmond kill him, but then yeah. feel bound to the button so he stays too. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it was just me episode, me yeah. trying to remember mm -hmm. what happened in the next one. Right. Which I will probably rewatch with you guys. When yeah. You watch for Joe. Mm -hmm. Well, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Lost Podcast. You're welcome. Where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's. S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. I mostly talk about Star Trek, though. You That's can just okay. stalk her around Vancouver, too. It's fine. Yeah, I, I live there. What's nice is that as soon as I press stop recording, You'll still be here. I will. It's so fun. I love that for us. As soon as you press stop recording, I can stretch and also lay in my own bed. I, I'm going to have a shower. I have to finish my articles. Mm. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow us at The Aficionados on a whole different places, mostly Twitter and Tumblr, though. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye. My theory, they're aliens. This is the spoiler section for episode 224, Live Together, Die Alone, Part 2, featuring Joe Garfine of Cancer Gets Lost.
now. I was like, okay, can we talk now? Jeez. Let's let's talk now. B.B. King. B.B. King. Start with that. Okay. If you think about what happens to my beloved Juliet in season Mm -hmm. five, chains, come on. Oops. Well, that's hurtful. I'm just saying it wasn't, I know it's totally coincidental, but I Mm -hmm. looked at that and went, oh, chains and things. Oh, that's what, okay. That's what took her down in the, in the hatch. Great. Great. Whenever Robin brings up the incident, I'm like, we don't talk about the incident. Uh, we, we don't talk I'm about like, it. I'm like, girl, happens. it's our job to no. talk about the incident. No. Oh my God. It's season six premiere in Hawaii. I was lucky enough to be there. And uh, on the red carpet with my little blog, it was so exciting. Anyway, I sat with a bunch of fran- fans and friends uh, watching the season six premiere on the beach. They sh- literally opened season six showing her die again. And all these people like went to hug me. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I will be fine. I'm fine. But I was like, really? I have to act normal. They have to show it again? Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, go on. Um, Okay, so going into my spoiler thoughts for the first storyline, so the rescue mission, my first question, and we're obviously going to talk about Radzinski in a bit, but the whole notebook thing, the pearl, did Radzinski know about the pearl? I think so. I think he knew the pearl existed, but did he know that, like, they were watching him in the pearl? I don't think he knew the purpose of it, but I think he knew of it. He's the one who okay. he built the swan hatch, so. Yeah, totally. How did he know about the pearl? Because he was in the Dharma Initiative, and I think yeah. the pearl was made before the swan. Oh. He kind of seemed like he was on the inside. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, he worked at the Flame. Yeah. And the Flame is another one of the stations that the pearl sees, so. Right. They get hit with the shocker guns, and the shocker guns are used quite a few other times. Yeah. That's, like, one of the other's, like, staple, like, weapons. That's better than real guns. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Can we talk about the whispers? Sure, yeah. Yes. So, it's interesting. I never actually read what they were saying, but, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in later seasons, they have suggested that the whispers are people who have died on the island, and their souls couldn't leave, so they're there to warn other people. So, when you hear the name Elizabeth, it's because Libby was just shot by Michael. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, we know that Libby isn't one of them, of the whispers, but... Because she's in the flash sideways. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting what they say. And one of the things that really messed me up about the whispers was if you go and look at what they said in Abandoned right before um, Shannon dies. Yeah. Is it uses like a quote that Boone said in the flashbacks of that episode. And so you're like, oh my gosh, is Boone one of the whispers? And like, no. So it's like, at that point, they don't really know what the whispers are, I don't think. No. But it's kind of um, cool. <laughs> but it's really cool when you go and look at them and you're like, I have chills. Right, right. Yeah. Danny kicks Sawyer down, like, when they get to the pier. I and, just laughed. I'm so sorry. And um, Danny and Sawyer have a lot of problems next season. They do. Um, Danny, like, almost kills Sawyer in season three. So I just wanted to point out their animosity. What the hell is Danny's problem? Well, son kills his wife. Yes. That's a good So he's like, now I problem. have to kill somebody. All right, yeah. fair Tri- It's Trixie from Deadwood. Like, I love how many people from Deadwood were on this show. Okay, I digress. What? I, isn't that, she's Katniss's mom on the Hunger Games? See, now we're aging ourselves. Yes, yes, she <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. I was like, she was on Lie to Me. <laughs> there you go. And she yeah. was on, she's on Ray Donovan. Okay, so yes. my favorite goof from the pier scene is hmm. when they pick everybody up to their feet. Alex grabs Kate's boobs accidentally. Yeah. Oh my God. And then she's like, whoops. It's hilarious oh, that they no. didn't cut that out. Yeah. Why didn't they cut that out? I was oh, like, no. oopsies, that's not her armpits, Alex. Yeah. I guess if they were, like, delivering this finale in, like, what, less than a month? Right. They were like, probably didn't even oh, see right, it. Oh, right, true. It just makes me laugh because I think that's such a great scene. And then you're like, oh, oopsies. Okay. Oops. <laughs> I've been completely taken out of this scene. Oh, dear. Right. <laughs> um. So, Ben, Ben always keeps his word. 
Yeah. He's a huge liar, but he always keeps his word. So I liked this moment where he was like, okay, what, like, I obviously have to keep my word because you did all the things that I asked you to do. But it reminded me in season four when Ben gets saved again and he just turns to Richard and says, what was the agreement? And then it's like, okay, well, Ben and, or, uh, Kate and Saeed, you guys can go, I guess then. Like, he's so obsessed, he's so obsessed with the rules of Whitmore, too, in the future. Yeah. Like, you broke the rules. Yeah, totally. Which oh, I, right, true. I can appreciate that. But can I talk about, I think there was something they didn't consider, which is when he gave Michael the coordinates. This is yes, after the they didn't expect the quarantine door explosion. They didn't expect the hatch explosion. I think that that moved the island, and the coordinates should technically be wrong by that point. Oh. I didn't even think about that. But the bearing would still be the same, right? Potentially, but I was like, when I rewatched that yesterday, I went, oh, wait a second. It's not till later we learned that when the flash happens and the electromagnetic pulse happens, the island moves. So Michael right. gave him a bearing, which technically at that time should be fine. That would have been so cool if they had mentioned that in Meet Kevin Johnson. Right. I thought about that. Yeah. But I don't think the bearing changes because he does get out. Right, right. But could you argue that Jacob helped him out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And I also love that this is the last time we saw them together, but then we learn later that he's a mole and he's working for Ben again. Yeah. Right, so so you were saying, like, um, uh, Brittany, you were asking if Walt ever figured out, like, what yeah. Michael ended up doing. And I think, I think the answer is yes, because Michael goes to see him, but yeah. then his, his grandma won't let him see yep. Walt, because Walt is, like, messed up by learning what happened. Oh, And that's okay. part of why Michael is so... Is so sad. And that's why they had to show Malcolm David Kelly in a window because he was like six feet tall at that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. He's actually a, a very successful uh, pop rapper now. I lo- honestly, I love their music. KTO is real good, actually. It's real catchy. Yeah, I love it. He's super I nice. actually didn't know that like a mainstream song was them until mm-hmm. Robin was like, yeah, this is his band. I was like, huh? Yeah. He's the MK. Yeah. It, they, they're genuine bops. Yeah. Spotify knows that I love them, and so they always give me all of their new stuff. And I'm like, thank you. Speaking of thank you, in their vi- their video for thank you, yes! uh, Harold Perrineau is in it. Yes. There's so much in that in that music video. They've got, like, this chalkboard, and it's just filled with stuff. And I'm like, this is what I signed up for. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love nerds. Um, so Ben tells Michael that he won't ever be able to come back, and he actually does, and it's with Ben's help. Yeah. Oh, Ben, you dirty rotten liar. Um, he says that they're the good guys, but are they the good guys? No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> no. No. Does Ben does, especially. Does Ben believe that he's part of the good guys? No. No, I truly don't think he does. No. I think Ben knows he's the villain. Mm. I think he loves it. Exactly. Because at that point, remember, we don't know about Jacob. He thinks he's in charge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Oh, Ben. What about you? (laughs) Yeah, what What about about you? you? I feel so bad for him because, like, Ben and Locke have such similar, you know, trajectories in terms of having their faith broken. But with Ben, it was just like, oh, you beautiful idiot. Yeah. You played the villain for no reason. It's interesting because Ottawala, you know, chose to leave the show, which is why they had to kill off Echo in the future. And they had this whole, I believe, six season plan with Echo and Locke. And then they had to switch it to Locke and Ben. And then Locke and Ben and Widmore. It was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I'm sorry they switched it to Locke and Ben, though, because of the chemistry that Terry and Michael have. Mm -hmm. Oh, I 100% want their detective show on the air. Yes. Yes. I have, like, ever since they mentioned that, like, what, years and years and years ago, I've just been waiting for it. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I know Michael's on Evil now, but they should just write it together. Well, at some point, they wanted to get him on, or Terry on Person of Interest, and the fact that they never did it haunts me. I know. I think there were just too many conflicts. Yeah. yeah. They did get everyone, they got other people, though. Widmore. Um, they got a lot, yeah. Yeah. So, we know why they chose Hurley, but why did they choose Jack Sawyer and Kate? Biggest troublemakers. 
Did they were they trying to like break a stallion? I think that they again had a spies on the beaches and spies in the cameras, and I just feel like if they saw when Sawyer was shot, how Kate was taken care of. They, I think they saw A, a love triangle, B, three, leader, three leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think that those two factors made them their recruits. What was the, like, what do you think their goal was in taking these three people? Just, like, eliminating their leaders? Eliminating, like, the people who were the most influential? Yeah, I think they was uh, emotional manipulation to the point where they would turn against each other and then give them the information they all needed. And then, like, convert them into others? Or what do you think? I don't know if they were to do that or actually genuinely when they done need- needing them for what they needed them for, they were going to kill them. Kill you them, know? right. Yeah. I just think that it was such, and I know obviously they had to do this for narrative's sake, but like it was such an oversight to not have Saeed on that list. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Like the most competent man on the island and you skipped him. Maybe because they knew about his past. Listen, in the future we see that there's literally an internet connection. Juliet's able to see her sister at a park. So they are they have connection constantly with the mainland. And so <laughs> if they know and have case histories on every single person, they might know that Saeed's the one they'll never break. That's Oh my true. god, duh. And also, in the season three finale, Saeed's literally tied up exactly like this and still manages to break a guy's neck. Oh, he, I call it the breakdancing neck. Yeah. My- yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. I love it. Yeah. Saeed is like, in my head, Saeed was like the lead of this show because mm-hmm. they constantly kind of sometimes have to give him the idiot ball in order to justify why it- Jack has to solve a problem instead of Saeed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this man knows everything. Season yeah. five so- aside, season five aside, I love Saeed. I think he was just terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what they. I know we're not supposed to say character deserved better, but Saeed deserved a little better, especially. Yeah, season six was rough for him, and I. I, I'm still a little upset with that. Someone recently asked me if I could take one character from Loft and one character from The 100 and, and live in isolation. I said, without question, Saeed and Raven, because I take people with skills. They right. know. Totally. And I think, like, I have, like, a l- note in my phone that's, like, Lost characters that correlate with The 100 characters, and Raven and Saeed, like, that's them. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And those are the characters that always get overlooked. It's like they're, mm. co- they're so hyper-competent. That people kind of just, like, skate right over them and consider them, like, you know, more of the hands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. These are the brilliant ones. Those are the ones you've won. They also don't let them have love. Hmm. True. Jeez. Just taken. Hmm. Things to think about. Yes. <laughs> so, going into the other storylines, um, I took this from Lostpedia. As Charlie and Echo prepare to use the dynamite on the blast doors in the Swan Station, Desmond says to Locke that it would take an Atabomb atom bomb to get through the doors. Later in season five, when the survivors are living in 1977, they detonate a hydrogen bomb at the Swan Station construction site, releasing the energy that would crash their plane. Yep. So that's a, that's a bit of a parallel. It's a great one, though. He, he mm-hmm. was definitely onto something with that one. Hmm. Let's see what else do I have I mean, here. think about it. These are seeds that are planted in dialogue, in scripts, that they have a continuity director. And, like, this is something they, they were probably pondering how they're going to do it in season five. They went, oh, wait, you know. I'm just giving them a lot of credit, but it's true. I know for sure they yeah. have continuity Bible, they had a guy in charge of it, so. Whoever that guy is, I hope, I hope he knows, or, you know, she knows how much I admire them. I want that job. His name is Greg Nations. That's always been my dream job because I'm a, an archivist by day and I obviously run CGL and uh, I like organizing and keeping track of items. So I agree with you. Yeah, Greg Nations, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I always thought for like shows that fail at that a little, just hire your fans who run your wikis. I true. You know, mm-hmm. just hire. No one's gonna know more than those nerds. Mm-hmm. True story. I wish Riverdale would hire me. I I I don't <laughs> want to know as much as I do. 
I don't want to know. I don't want you to know as much as you do about But I know so much. Okay. Okay. So when Charlie regains consciousness and can't hear, they do this specifically in the beginning of season six after a giant explosion. With Mm -hmm. Kate. With Kate. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That reminded me of that. Desmond talks about how Locke saved him so that he could save Locke. And I know that it's it's about Charlie later, but I really love the whole thing about Wonderwall with Charlie and Desmond. Maybe you're going to be the one that saves me. And it re- this reminded me of the beginnings of that sort of relationship because Desmond and Charlie is like my crack ship because of that. <laughs> yeah, season three, it's such a great relationship. Totally. Um, oh, I have a question. Okay. How the hell did that blast not kill Echo? <laughs> Jacob. Uh, the island wasn't done with him yet. Yeah. Okay. Jacob for sure. So magic. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Basically. Okay, so flashbacks. All right. Radzinski. What a jackass. Radzinski says he has, okay, so he had a photographic memory. Is Radzinski's photographic memory brought up in season five at all? No. He's I just, don't think so either. It's so funny. I, Eric, Eric Lang is a friend of mine. He's a delightful human being. and He's the opposite of Radzinski, so I love what a dick he was on this show. I hate Radzinski. <laughs> I mean, there was the nicest people. Yeah. I, the nicest people play the total a-holes. Although, yes. obviously, obviously, Jorge is just as lovely as Hurley, so that's an exception. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Radzinski, there's really nothing redeemable or likable about him. Yeah. What? Oh, shoot. Why can't I remember his name right now? Have you ever met the guy who played Martin Keeney? Um, I met him at a Giacchino concert and he's very tall and intimidating looking, but he's very nice. Oh, I knew it. And I'm also blanking <laughs> on his name right now. He just looks like he has so much fun playing Kimi, who's the worst. He has beautiful eyes and he's a lovely, lovely guy. But yeah, he played, he was an amazing villain, actually. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he really does make good eggs. You know what? I get it. I bet he gets asked that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would ask him to sign an egg. Oh, okay. Maybe and like what, maybe a plastic Easter egg. Yeah, like yeah, what yeah. happens when that egg goes back? Oh, okay, you guys, if you insist. <laughs> oh my god. I feel like once you say his name, I will feel dumb. Remember when we used to be able to go to conventions to have actors sign weird things? I just wanted to say that Kevin Durand. Kevin Durand, yes. yes, Not to be confused with the basketball player, Kevin Durand. Okay. Right. I genuinely thought those were the same person until this second. Well, what is black and what is white, so. What? So this year for Calgary Expo, this it was my first opportunity to ever meet some lost actors. Okay. I've spoken to Andrea Gabriel. Um, because we did an interview with her and you guys should go check that out because she was so lovely. Yep. Um, but I've never met a lost actor. And, um, this year for Calgary Expo, Dominic Monaghan, Ian Somerhalder, and Emily Duravin were all coming. Oh, is it canceled? Oh, It was postponed to July. And luckily I can go the July dates that they gave me. I am working in July, so I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to go. I can go. I just hope that they're all still going and that that one doesn't get messed up. Yeah, because that'll be really I was fun like, for you. It would be just my luck if it was like my first opportunity ever for three of them to be there <laughs> and it got postponed. I was like... Of course, this is happening and to me. Let me tell you something. As you can, as everyone knows, just from watching him on television, looking into the eyes of Ian Somerhalder is like literally you can't look away. He is <laughs> the nicest. He has such a calming presence, and he looks so deeply into your eyes when you're talking to him. And I'm like, okay, ladies, I get it. I get it. I would like. To, I would like to see it. I would like to be there. So he has good hair too. Everybody send me good vibes for July. Okay. <laughs> and Emily is the sweetest. Oh my gosh, she's delightful. I'm so excited. So okay, so Redzinski. These are some of the spoiler thoughts that I had about the first part of the 
of the finale, but I brought them into here so we could talk about Radzinski because maybe you have some more insight, Joe. Okay. So Radzinski is the one who made the edits on the orientation tape. Yes. But we're, we're not exactly sure how it got to the arrow inside the Bible because obviously that happened before he passed away. Right. But I don't think we know. He must have been working with someone else who at least knew about it. I, I don't really know either. Right. Why would he specifically get rid of the communication part? Because the part that gets cut out is about not using the computer for communication. I wonder if it's because he used to work in the flame, which was like the only computer that was meant to use yeah, maybe. for communication. But he, he cut out the part that was about not using it for communication. So maybe he was doing it so that he could use it for communication. <laughs> I, draw, I don't know. He wanted to post his lost theories on the internet. Yeah. I mean, given that, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, Walt communicated with Michael using the computer in the swan. So yeah, that's true. That's true. And then Radzinski ended up working inside the swan after he designed it. I feel like that was punishment for a lot of things we saw. I like that idea because I kept being like, why would you want to do that? I don't think it was his choice. I think he was banished. Okay, I love that. Yeah. That's my yeah. theory. And then that's part of like why he was so miserable. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So my next question is, what is the timeline of the purge? Because obviously Radzinski didn't die in the purge. He wasn't in town at the time. He wasn't in Otherville. Right. So it could be that he was at the flame. But if Ben was part of, or maybe he was already in the swan? Maybe, yeah. My thing is like... If Ben was part of the Dharma Initiative, wouldn't he know, like, that there were other others in in other stations? Maybe he needed certain people with the certain skills that needed them alive. Yeah, I guess so. And he didn't yeah, need them to witness that he did the purge. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I don't think cameras were at the Otherville, so I don't, I don't know that we ever saw cameras there that were absorbing activities. Was part of Redzinski. Like, Redzinski's stuck in the swan and he doesn't really have communication with anybody. Maybe somehow he finds out about the purge and that kind of like adds to his like sense of doom. Maybe, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I mean, maybe timeline wise. Maybe timeline wise. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. My next, I think this might be the last one for the flashbacks other than the ending, but my next one was, uh, we know that Desmond lives past the finale, and I just wanted to say that he probably still hasn't read Our Mutual Friend. You know what? That's an excellent point. It makes me happy. He's sitting there sipping his McCutcheon not reading that book. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so the ending with Penny. Um, Widmore may have told her that it was an island, but I don't know why he would do that. I don't... He was on a boat! I mean... No, but why would Widmore tell Penny that it was an island? You remember Ugh. in season four when she helps rescue everybody? Um, that she yeah, has- and, it's that, and it's still those two guys, which is so cool. That they're the ones who are out on the boat with her. Exactly. And, like, so obviously with Charlie dies trying to say not Penny's boat, when she's like, island what island? So... That's when she figures oh, true. out. That's when she starts getting a boat and going to the coordinates. Because I think because the island moved, she wasn't sure where. Right. She wasn't sure, oh, what, kind sure. Of, what kind of location she was looking for. Right. And so we found it. The it must be the electromagnetic al- yeah, anomaly. That's how yeah. I interpreted oh, cool. it. Yeah. So they found where it moved to so that she could find them? I believe so. Okay. Because it takes her like two seasons to find him. I mean time is relative just like now <laughs> that's true it's really only like because season four only takes takes place over one like a week well, oh if, my god yeah and think about it simultaneously as penny Woodward's out there with her crew hopefully funded by her separate her dad doesn't know about it he's the one who sent the freighter crew in to kill everybody on his boat 
So that's true. Right. They are operating simultaneously and separately. It's not Penny's boat, but it is a Widmore's boat. Yeah. Oh man, I really hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so Allendale is so cool. Yeah. He is cool. I literally accidentally sat next to him at Comic Con and started laughing. And he, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, because I was at a breakfast like commute. It was a community table, and I was getting breakfast early in the morning. And he was there with his agent or manager, and he was talking shop. And I was literally just reading some news on my phone, and I was giggling a little bit. And he goes, "Before I start talking about other people." Do you know who I am? And I said, yeah, I, I used to have a lost blog. And he goes, okay, great. And they just started talking about other people. It was great. Yes! <laughs> great. He was like, okay, you're cool. You can hang. If he had been like, no, if you had been like, uh, no, he would have been like, okay, I'm moving. No, it was great because it was about a different show he was on. And then after he goes, we should take a picture. And so I have a great picture of me wearing a orphan black t-shirt with Charles Widmore. That is, that's iconic. Can I have your life? Just wondering. Listen, a lot of it is actual coincidence. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, don't mistake coincidence for fate, Joe. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was the nerdiest thing I've heard so far, and we're on a Lost podcast. <laughs> um, that's all I've got. Do you have any other spoiler thoughts that you want to mention? I think so. I'm sure there's other stuff, stuff I meant to tell you, but I don't know. I my time is relative. Oh, we were gonna talk about Michael. Oh, Harold's. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding is that Harold was, you know, a little disappointed with the trajectory, at least the first few seasons, and 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 leaving the island. I think that obviously, like I said before, with Malcolm David Kelly's growth, unfortunately, they were a package, and I don't think they needed to mm-hmm. be. Right. Yeah. Um, I was really happy and very surprised with meet Kevin Johnson when it first aired. I loved that mm-hmm. he was the mole. I was just love. I, I loved seeing Harold. I think he's such a dynamic actor. He's got such range. He's doing amazing work right now on Claws. He's good at everything he does. Mm-hmm. He's so good, and that's why it's like, even if Walt had been taken by the others and Michael had stuck around, his arc would be stagnant because it would be always be about Walt. Right, and I wish that I, uh, my hope, and uh, before all this happened, was that it would eventually settle in and not be about him. That maybe he'd be like, I thought, okay, exactly. maybe they'll be able to send Walt safely off the island. Right, and then Michael would just stick around and know that he was safe and it was okay and then he could stay. Yeah, because obviously he, he was such an interesting dynamic with Jin and Son and Saeed yes. and, and like, I think it would And Sawyer even. And Sawyer, yeah, and I think he could have emerged, well, not as a leader after what he did, but, um... <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I did think I don't think he got the short end of the stick, but I think I feel his disappointment. I get it. I mean, he had the potential to be a character that was much like like Anna Lucia. Yeah. In terms of like you screwed up, but you can still like try and make amends through constantly doing good work. And mm-hmm. I think that could have been like a huge arc for him. And they just kind of I definitely feel like he was brushed aside a little. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It sucks because it was like, you know, he was one of like, what, three black characters on the show and he's not, he wasn't there for most of it. And I was like, this is so unfair because like he was a single dad. He had so much potential. I'm very attached to Michael. (laughs) Yeah. It's like we also, I mean, he was, despite what he had to do to get Walt back, I just think he was such an interesting character. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think the things that he did to get Walt back made him fascinating because it was like that dad override that like just trumped all of it and I was like that's just a real oh that phrase has been really ruined mm. I know oh. um, but I just I just thought that was such an interesting to like try and make amends for that with the others and have them either understand or not would have been fascinating yes I know that they needed somebody to show who the whispers were but it's just yeah. I'm upset that it was Michael that I don't think he did great to be scene. we don't talk stuck. about it no mm-hmm. yeah. Michael deserved a happy ending yeah I think he deserved to be in the church yes personally but yeah I mean I I think that there's a certain uh 
waiting to settle your demon situation and that maybe he needs to, just like uh, Ben Linus waited to make peace with Alex and figure out his life with Rousseau, that maybe it was a technicality of he was waiting to make amends with Walt in the Flash sideways. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think. Oh, yeah. Because Walt isn't in the Flash sideways either because presumably the people that, like, he lived much longer and therefore spent the most important moments of his life with other people. Yes. So that's why he's not there. That's why Aaron's not there. I mean, he is because he gets, like, born. But, like, you know. You could also argue like, it's for Michael, the same thing that wasn't the most important time in his life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, Anna Lucia and Libby are both in the Flash sideways. Libby's in the church. Anna isn't. But, but uh, yeah, I'm still sad that Michael didn't get to be in the Flash sideways of the church. But we agree on that. Yeah. All right. Well, Joe, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. Honestly, it's always a pleasure. And if it takes you uh, six months or a year, I'll come back for the season three finale if you want. Yes, uh, we please. would love that. Every finale. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> I have you written down for them, so. Excellent. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm pretty free, FYI. Um, yeah. It's a time. I hope, I would just like to say to you guys and everyone out there that even if it's a month from now, that it be kind to yourself. I think the healthiest thing you can do is be kind to yourself and then that helps you get through everything you're going through. Yeah. Sending good vibes to everyone. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy and hopefully we, we can all get through this together. And um, definitely before July, because um, I need to meet Dom and Emily and Ian. Yeah. So. so stay the f*** inside. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, can you remind us one more time where we can find you on the internet? Absolutely. Um, I am everywhere at JoePinionated, which is the word opinionated with a J. And also at CancerGetsLost and CancerGetsLost.org. Perfect. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Your quality may vary on that one. Yeah. Yep. We are at the Aficionados almost everywhere. Our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com if you want to send us a voicemail or your thoughts in email form. Um, and our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. We could use your help, um, but the next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. So if you've got someone who's watching Lost for the first time or has watched Lost a bajillion times, um, you can recommend this podcast. And if you're lo- if you're trying to get somebody to start watching it, you can also offer it to them on a platter. <laughs> we say thank you. <laughs> okay, love you, bye. Love you, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. I think I crashed your plane. This is the spoiler section for our season two roundtable featuring Alice and Angela. to talk about in the spoiler section but I say if we want to go back and talk about some of the other things um spoilery that we can also do that does anybody have anything to say about Charlie Michael Locke Mm. Mm. a few things about Charlie I guess yeah I think like I have a couple thoughts about Michael um because they do actually bring him back but not for very long and then he has like the worst ending ever He yeah. truly gets like shafted out of all characters. Yeah, like he does he's not even. In, he's not even in the Flash sideways because he has to be like someone needs to be an example of what the whispers are, and they just happen to make it him, and it's kind of like, disappointing. Why did you do that to my boy? Yeah, it's so it's so bad, really. 
I, I'm I don't I don't understand what they did with Michael there. Yeah. I, I don't understand the end of season two to be honest for Michael. It that already right. doesn't sit well with me because it's so it feels so weird like so taken out of context in a way it was really just it feels so forced that they wanted Michael to leave the island and I don't know it's uh it's weird it's just I said in yeah I said in our uh season two finale podcast but the moment where Michael starts driving away and looks back and sees like all of his friends like bound and gagged and just keeps going I'm just like what happened here Mm. I find it really difficult to try and put myself in his shoes because I do not have a child and I'd have no maternal instinct whatsoever so anytime there's any kind of anything in a tv show when it's like someone really goes above and beyond for their kid I'm like I don't I don't know how realistic this is that someone would be willing to do this just you know to save yeah. their, their son if it meant potentially that a lot of other people would be killed for it i mean i guess right yeah but whenever i talk to my mom i'm like is this realistic and she's like yes i would literally murder a thousand people and i'm like okay gotcha okay so this is realistic i just my neither of my parents would do that there is no way <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) to be fair my mom was a single mom so she's crazy (laughs) my parents would my dad in that situation would definitely be like needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few sorry (laughs) (laughs) you got Vulcan yeah the issue is a bit what we were saying before and then then non-spoilish section uh, when we were talking about the fact that Michael is not just Walt's dad and this is completely forgotten in season two. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the moment season two starts, Michael is only seen as Walt's dad and that's not a bad yeah. thing. Like I, I really understand the fact that he's his dad. He hasn't seen yeah. anything about his son for the past 10 years and so he really wants to save him and spend the rest of his life with him but I don't get why from the moment this thing with Walt happens Michael is reduced to being Walt's dad and nothing else is there exactly this is something that happens a lot with uh, female characters I think that mm-hmm. they they at some point uh, they, they they are kind of reduced to being a mom once they become a mom but in Walt in in Michael's case it's um, it's so extreme really from being such a complex person to uh, to really not being considered uh, as a complex character by the show, it's um, it's weird. Mm. Did someone say that they wanted to add something about Charlie? Um, I didn't. Kind of. I think maybe it's more about <laughs> Charlie and in general. But I guess I just wanted to say that having yeah. then seen season three and like he obviously he only is in up to the end of season three. <laughs> really yeah as a character yeah. so it's kind of weird looking back over his arc as a whole when it's like he's it's season one's great for him season two is really bad for him and then season three is kind of it's good for him again in a slightly different way yeah he's like a hero he's a hero in season three but it, it feels yeah it feels weird that there's such a big chunk like literally pretty much a third of his screen time is just me not liking him even though he is one of my favorite characters right. overall they do a lot of good right, work exactly. in season mm. three to redeem him so i kind of feel like maybe they figured out yeah to retcon that but like they'd gone too far yeah, with it yeah. um they did him so dirty yeah it is a shame knowing that they are then planning on having this sort of i assume at this point they probably knew they were gonna kill him off at the end of the next season right it's a shame that they felt they had to do that one of the things that i wanted to talk about in the spoiler section was just like season three and 
we um we lose like we well we have like four tailies because cindy gets taken out so we have like four tailies two of them die in season two and then one of them dies in season three and bernard makes it to the end of the series well he makes mm-hmm. it past the end of the series because he, he does sure live does. but um yeah. he's yeah. the only one right <laughs> mr echo yeah they have like season six plans for mr echo it's just unfortunate that adewali had to had to leave but yeah. i i don't blame adewali for wanting to leave because no. the circumstances around that uh was totally fair however they did want to bring him back so that he could be in the flash sideways and adewali demanded too much money that they didn't have and so they couldn't have him in the flash sideways mm. you know looking back though i wonder if he he really did not demand that much because we know now how pay disparity works in Hollywood mm. and you gotta wonder if they were lowballing him and he mm. just walked away. I don't oh, know. That, I have no way of knowing. It's a shame. I hate that when yeah. something happens in real life and you kind of find out about it and it's sometimes it's someone's fault sometimes it's a situation where it's really nobody's fault and it's just unfortunate but it kind of has an impact on yeah. what happens to the character and I'm like ah, I, yeah. I understand that it's it's inevitable that TV is made in the real world and real people are involved and they also have other lives and things yeah. that are going on and also it's a job mm-hmm. that they have to get paid for yeah. fairly and yeah presumably enjoy to some extent but it does suck when you're like oh, this is a great character and they've been screwed over mostly just because of completely outside of our control factors again not bitter at all about anything in particular yeah, yeah. i wish they could just tell their story you know? yeah yeah well, i want but... them to tell their story the way that they want yeah. to tell it like when luke perry passed away last year i'm just like this wasn't supposed to happen like fred was supposed to live forever in riverdale and it's like it doesn't make sense that this happened because this and it's like well we can't do anything yeah. about it what can you do yeah if you don't have the actor anymore he's gone like what can we do yeah but still Archie remembers him sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Not always, but sometimes. I mean, there are better and worse Which ways of writing people out. Yeah. I think some shows handle it better than others. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there are less yeah. spiteful ways of doing it. But yeah. Not that we have any experience with that. <laughs> right. I also have to say that the way they wrote uh, Echo Out is not the worst because it didn't damage the impression that I had and the love I had for the character. Uh, That's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it is not a very good ending, but it's definitely not. It's not a good ending. It's not insulting, yes. though. Yes, but it doesn't change anything. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, it didn't make me mad. Yeah. No, I know, I know. I mean, it doesn't look good on the show. No, what I'm saying is that it doesn't look good on the show. But it's not what happened to Michael, for which now I cannot start season one and see Michael in the same way. Well, I can start season two and be like, oh yes, I still, I still love Echo. It's very unfortunate yeah. what they did to him, meaning that he couldn't come back afterwards. But yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. There are certain things that happen to some characters who it's completely like the character is ruined. You can't even look at the character anymore. And that's not what happened with Echo. It was not a very well-written death. It didn't really make a lot of sense yeah. continuity wise or otherwise, but at least you can still love Echo after. Yeah, at least they didn't ruin the character. First. I definitely agree. And I just wanted to say one thing about Char- Charlie yeah. because we were talking about it late uh, earlier, and it's that yeah. I really think that they find Charlie back with Desmond. Yes. Like. They- yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's my listen. That's my crack. Maybe that's my crack ship. Maybe <laughs> that's my crack ship. Don't at me about it. You can at me about it. I have. <laughs> Just listen. Know know that Wonderwall is their song. You know, okay. and then it's like maybe you're gonna be the one that saves me. And Desmond is like constantly saving Charlie. But then at the end of season three, Charlie's the one who saves Desmond. And I'm just like, um, what is this? A tragic romance or something? Poetry. No, but yeah, I I think so. It, 
yeah, this is something that I couldn't say earlier, but the issue is that I, I have the impression that in season two, they were trying to pair him with somebody and they couldn't find somebody that would work for Charlie. And then once mm-hmm. they realized that he worked well th- with Desmond, then it was like, oh, okay, then we fixed it. They yeah. figured it out. Yeah. Uh, but they took some time to fix it, though. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't ideal. Yes, but then yeah. the ending is amazing and that's it. That's the only thing I can think about now. Probably one of my favorite season finales of all time of like any show. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Even though it's like, even though all the flash forwards are all about Jack, like <laughs> it's still okay because the reveal that it is a flash forward. That's immediately minus a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so where do we see the work of Jacob this season? I think that we've talked a lot about this in separate spoiler sections, but. Like, one of the ones that really sticks out to me is the death of Shannon and, um, like, Taller Ghost Walt. (laughs) Taller Ghost Walt! (laughs) I feel like every time, you know, there's a whole conversation about every time we see Walt, if if it is Walt or if it's, like... The Man in Black. uh, It's not Oh, no, he can't possess... Right. Yeah, he can't possess people who are alive. So it's either actually Walt and he has, like, powers or it's Jacob. And I think I've always kind of leaned toward it being Jacob, but... But, like, why would Jacob do it? Uh, yeah, it's, like, yeah. hard. you kind of have to figure it out every single time it happens. Like, the circumstances are different and you have to decide then, you know? It's like, Walt I... learned to astral project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to, to, to give an answer to this. Uh, or if it's if it's unclear on purpose that we we can interpret it the way we want, but it mm-hmm. would maybe it would make sense for it to be Jacob just just because Jacob is so amoral, like he mm-hmm. he doesn't act because he has beliefs and ideals. He just he wants to reach his objectives, and so it's a bit every everyone is a bit like a pawn for him. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it past him to make Walt appear so that Chan could be killed and something else yeah. could happen and then Saeed could be filled with revenge or something. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's uh, I really don't like Jacob. Never liked him. He's supposed to be the good guy. He's supposed to be the good he one. He never both feels of them, like the good guy. But both of them are bad in their own way. And it's like, you can't even tell which one is worse, even though MIB is obviously supposed to be worse, which is interesting. But then you learn MIB, MIB's backstory and how Jacob, like, basically kept him trapped for years and years. And you're like, okay, I can understand why you're a miserable person. Sure, but then, like, all the things that you're willing to do afterwards, it's just, like, I still... You know. Yeah, like, he's still a bad dude, but you're like, I understand your motives for being miserable more than Jacob's for being just a manipulative dick. Yeah, exactly. No, J- Jacob is just bad. Not because anything happened to him, it's just because he thinks that everything is owed, owed to him. Exactly. And it's like, oh my god, like, really, everything that he does is, it's it's so difficult to explain because I think it's he's so out of reality that for him it mm-hmm. makes sense so you really need to get into the mind of somebody that uh doesn't care about specific people but they care about destiny and uh, how things are supposed to be- go and uh, the life of yeah. the island uh, and it's so difficult to see because then you see all these people and you're like okay yes but you're killing people literally so that you can at some point have somebody that guards your island or something uh, i don't know I, I really dislike him. Right. He he can't die, so his stakes are so low. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, why is the island more important than, important than these people's lives? Like, yeah. Exactly. At some point, you start to have to, you have to start asking the hard questions, which I think was like, 
the whole point of making it Hurley yeah. was he was never going to do anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I like the moment in the in the finale when Ben says, like, that's the way that Jacob did it, but maybe somebody else can make the can make different rules. Exactly. And it's clear that everything was better after that. Yeah. So I think I'm going to start wrapping it up, but if anybody has any last thoughts, then let's do it. Let's see. I'm thinking, no, just because you mentioned Ben and Jacob, uh, I am so confused by that whole thing. I, I wanted to rewatch Lost <laughs> recently, but then both Prime Video and Netflix decided to take it down because... I guess they hate oh. me. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's probably it. That is so <laughs> mean. That that's probably the reason. Uh, no, it's. I I really want to go back to to, to understanding the relationship between Ben and Jacob because uh, it's so it undermines a bit Ben's story in a way. The fact that he's that there's always Jacob behind things. Um, yeah. But also you need Jacob because you need this type of force to be in an island to to be on a magic yeah. island. Otherwise, there is really no explanation for what happens. But if you say okay, there are two forces in life, and that is why also there is this weird there are this weird couple of characters that always clash uh, it's because in a way they're representing the, the the duality that is in the island that are these two forces yes. always clashing with each other but yeah uh, anyway that is something for later seasons because yeah. we really don't see much of jacob until season three is it there's a little of him yeah yeah, yeah. that's when they start talking about him that's when they start yeah. talking about him yeah and that's when we get richard so yeah. yeah. I'm excited to have him. Yeah, he's amazing. Okay. Alice, any last thoughts? No, I remember very little after the point where I have got up to my rewatch, which is a, yeah. little, a little bit into season four. So I'm like, I occasionally get an episode yeah. and I'm like, oh, I remember this happening. And I remember a few plot points, but the overall story, I kind of, a lot of the time, don't really know where it's going. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I remember there being time travel at some point. That's good. Sometimes a character will show up and I'm like, oh, great, this person. <laughs> Daniel Faraday showed up in my rewatch and I was very excited. But aside from that, an angel. <laughs> like, I don't know who you are, but I love you. I'm excited Aww. to continue reading your live tweets. They're delightful. He's so sweet. That's my son. Yeah. But season two is kind of a, it's like an overall thing. It's a little bit forgettable in the, the grand scheme of things, except for yeah. them. Like in terms of what actually happens, especially since the Tailies yeah. are introduced and then all killed off by the beginning of season three when Echo dies. Right. It's like the only thing that really happens in season two is Ben is introduced. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Ben right. is my garbage yeah. son. And then like Desmond at the end yeah, blowing like, up the hatch and then revealing that he was the, crashed the plane as yeah. well. Yeah. Ben and Desmond make it worth it. Yeah. There's maybe like three episodes of actual plot content <laughs> involved. Yeah. Exactly. You. Pro I wonder if you could skip from the first one to the final two and not miss anything. I would not recommend that. <laughs> but I wonder if you could. I definitely don't think that's true. I feel like I just offended Robin on like a psychological <laughs> level. They, they just, they bring back so many things that you would still be so confused. I don't think you should do that. You would miss okay. a lot of flashbacks as well, to be fair. There's a lot of actually important backstory here. Yeah. True. You wouldn't understand. You would miss out on Desmond, Brittany. Yeah. I just said I wonder. I didn't say whether I was right. <laughs> Once again, Angela and Alice, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to have you guys on the pod again in the future. Yay. Thank you. I'm excited to get a question, fun fact of the day, whatever it is, because we don't get one with a round table, which I only realized when we did the intro. Ah. Would you like to do one? I mean, I don't know if you can think of one. 
Uh, well, I think we've done this one before, but like, what's your guys' favorite season of Lost? Let's do that one. And we can say that because now we're in the spoiler section. We can do that. My favorite season, I always say season three, but I think season three, like as an arc is like kind like, okay, but there are pieces of it that are like gems. You know what I mean? Like we get the first Ben episode. We get yeah. the first Juliet episode. Like um, Expose is in season three. Like there are so <laughs> many like little pieces. Oh, Trisha Tanaka is dead is also like amazing <laughs> in season three. So I like, I would say that like season three has the most like episodes that I love in it. But I think as an arc, probably season five is my favorite. I am in agreement. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I like that season too. Right. Well, I'm going to say season three for mine just because it introduces a lot of my favorite characters. And I think it, it kind of yeah. it properly introduces a lot of characters who have technically been introduced in season two, like Ben and like Desmond, but you only really get to know them in season right. three. So you've got like, you've got them and then you've yes. got like Juliet as well. And you've got, yeah, Richard Alpert coming in. So yeah, so season three, just purely for character reasons. Yeah. To me, it's season one. Uh, I think I think it works so perfectly and everything really fits. And uh, I, I'm, it's possible that if I rewatch season three now, I would love season three the same because of all the new pieces that that we get but right i don't know when i when i think back on the whole show to me everything started in season one meaning that it was so well um constructed that really it's uh, in in that sense it's the best one but who knows upon rewatches it would change my mind yeah. yeah um can you guys tell us one more time where we can follow you on twitter or wherever <laughs> yeah so you, you can follow me on twitter at uh irl writers blog uh, and it's on private, but you can ask to uh, follow me and I will say yes. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Alice underscore V underscore Smith. And I do actually, I should have said before, I do tweet about Lost quite a lot on there, if that's something you're interested in, because I am doing a rewatch <laughs> and I do tweet every episode I watch again. Alice's Twitter is annoyingly funny considering she barely literally just, started just got Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I got it like a year ago maybe. Every time I read a tweet I'm like I'm literally every time I read one of your tweets I'm like that is so fucking funny. Every day I get emails. I, every day I get emails. <laughs> I stole that from Tumblr that is not a tweet by me. I know it's not yours but we associate it with you and say it every single day. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you can follow <laughs> us at, at the aficionados, like most places. Um, and like we said before, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados if you feel so inclined and would like to have these podcasts a week in advance, because I can promise that. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! 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 Starbucks. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to the creators and community of Lostpedia. Truly, without them, we would be lost. Season 3 will be posted on the first Friday of every month starting July 3rd, 2020. While you're waiting for Season 3, we've got some other podcasts. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. As we speak, we are currently covering season seven, the final season. And uh, after that, we are going back and doing the first three seasons so we can finally cover those. If you're a fan of Riverdale, which I personally really am, we like to talk about that show too, way too much. We have so much fun over there. Uh, unfortunately, season four was cut short by the pandemic, but we do have a backlog of literally all four seasons. So if you're wanting some sort of 
garbage television, you know, something that Lost is not, but something that's, God, just so much fun. I could not recommend Riverdale enough. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We are taking up all of 2020 talking about season two. Then we are going to be taking up all of 2021 to talk about season three so that hopefully by then we have some season four to talk about. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that too. We covered all of season one of Star Trek Picard and Brittany has some more Star Trek plans for that feed. So check it out if you're interested. You can follow at the aficionados all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter. I do post gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr though. And uh, you can email us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow Brittany at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end on Twitter. Our new spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. The guests you heard this episode, all of their socials will be in the description. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because, oh boy, is this ever expensive? We have five podcasts and we know that money is tight all over the place, especially this year, but we could really, really use your help. We offer early access on literally all of our podcasts for $1 and up. This podcast in particular, I'm usually done editing pretty quickly. So you usually get it a week in advance. Weekly podcasts are usually like a day or a couple days in advance, but still it, it counts. And for our $5 and up patrons, we offer 10% off of shopbelux.com. That's me and Brittany's small business. Brittany makes amazing, beautiful resin art over there. And I do fandom embroidery. Check out those links in the description as well. Once again, you guys, thank you so, so much for your support. You know how much we love you. And I cannot wait for season three. I am so excited. And I know you are too. Okay, love you. Bye.